There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show, a wonderful podcast in which I vomit out words for an hour and a half and Jackson pretends to pay attention while... What are you scrolling, Instagram? I, I usually pay attention. If I do scroll, it's either Twitter or Instagram. Is it? Is it? But for the most part, I'm, I'm engaged because if I, I'm a guy, if I start reading something, m- my focus goes right to that. And yeah, then you may, I know. I, I have a tough time doing that, too. And then you may ask a question, and I'll just sit here. You'd be exposed. Yeah, exactly. So I, I try are. to pay attention as much as I can. I found, so some, I, one of the realizations of doing this podcast is that I'm, I knew I was fucked up, but I didn't think I was as fucked up as now I think I am. Mm. Like, now I realize I'm really fucked up. Even though it's not like you or Gangster Pete or the sea monster before him have said, wow, you're really fucked up. <laughs> it's my own self-realization that mm-hmm. the, I don't even want to call it ability because then it makes it seem like it's like a good thing. Ability has a positive connotation. The batshittery of being able to basically just talk uninterrupted for a couple of hours and if if i didn't notice the clock and feel badly for you i probably could go six or seven hours i don't know i don't know when i would stop actually <laughs> uh and then somehow whereas you are 20 years younger than me and have the prostate of an 80 year old true i sit and i'm drinking i'm in front of me jackson i have in the homeloanexpert.com studios here i have two bottles of water and so I, it's not like i'm and i had a protein shake at the start of the nine o'clock hours i always do on on tma mm-hmm and and i'm fine whereas one of the issues for you isn't just my word vomit it's that you have to piss yeah it's it's a problem that i should probably get checked out but what i really think it is it's like when i would play basketball it didn't matter for how long i never had to pee i never had to i just never had to go to the bathroom cuz you're so locked in to whatever you're doing never once when i was playing competitive basketball did i ever once have to pee so i think you are in a sense this is your that this is your hardwood this is where you i know do your craft so you're locked in you don't even think about it whereas i i'm kind of on the bench similar to how i did for varsity basketball mm-hmm. i'm riding the pine and uh you know i'll clock in get my couple minutes and then you know get a couple claps from the crowd and then i'll go back to the sitting the crowd on the likes pine. you yeah the crowd likes you though the crowd likes you yeah we went. Anna Marie and I went to dinner on Saturday night, mm-hmm. and 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 as you know, even I think you know probably about fifty percent of the landscape with uh, career mm-hmm. situations, decisions, and maybe at some point I'll get into. That. I, the tough thing is I can't because it doesn't just involve like things. You know, there are other places. Yeah, but I would love to. In a way, I'd love to discuss it because I'd be curious what the audience thinks. Except I can't because it involves other places. Mm-hmm. Um, and if this wouldn't have been brought, I'm not mad that John Hadley brought it up because uh, he was kind of joking around when I was on with Bernie back in, I don't even know when that was, December or January. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of made it public. And then the Rush Limbaugh job made it even more public because then there was like a 3,000 word article about it. Um, so now it's one of those things, well, you know, whenever Tim's contract up, this is going to happen. I wonder what this is going to happen. 
So then it becomes this thing. So in a way, I'd like to just end it just because I want to end it. Mm. But it has been going on, to give some people some um, background, as I like to try to do on the podcast, give people some things that I don't do on the radio show. It's been going on daily, daily, since for real, 10 minutes after Rush Limbaugh passed away. That is when this started. And I think that was February 16th or 17th in that range. Mm -hmm. And so when Anna Marie and I went to dinner on Saturday night, I said, as we were pulling out, uh, I said, uh, we are not going to talk about it tonight at dinner. And she goes, oh, God, there's no way. And I said, oh, I'm going, if, if I focus on something, I'm going to deliver. I said, we're not going to talk about it. And actually, somehow we didn't. And by it, it means like career, the, the career decision stuff. And um, because it's been all, any anytime we have a few minutes or if we do have a time where we have a babysitter, I can say babysitter. What's the deal? Now, this is not something you can help me with because this isn't something I learned about until like right when my son was born three and a half years ago. But some parents don't like it when you call babies. No, if you're a parent, you can't say you're babysitting. You say you're parenting. That's the deal. These are things that I wasn't aware of, apparently. Not that I give a fuck, and I think it's odd that somebody would care, but apparently that's a thing. I digress. So we have a babysitter. She's great. My God, is this, she's just in, wonderful. And, and, and so good that she's in such demand that she's making ridiculous. It's like a career. Yeah. Uh, she is just outstanding. She's the best. Uh, her dad's actually a long drive uh, guy on, uh, I don't even know. I don't know if there's a long drive circuit. But she told me her dad, she goes, oh, you play a lot of golf. And I said, yeah. I said, I mean, I'm, whatever, I'm fine. I'm nothing special. She goes, yeah, my dad's a professional. I go, he's on the tour. She goes, no, he's a long drive guy. And gave me his name. And I looked him up and I'm like, holy crap. Kyle Berkshire. Uh, Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> Sedlowski? Um, no, I don't know if I should give the no, name. No, no, that's the two long drivers I've known. Right, There's and isn't Berkshire in his 20s? Uh, yeah, he looks about like so three years older. So mathematically, he's like <laughs> three years older than me. If you play it out. Yeah. And by the way, I think I said this while we were doing the show last week. Somehow it came up as I'm talking. Another real estate agent, this one actually very attractive, uh, driving a Porsche SUV has popped up for another home in the neighborhood as I sit here. If you are selling real estate in this area, you are driving a Porsche SUV, I've decided. I feel like the official car of Ledoux, not Horton Watton's high school, but of the Ledoux uh, lady, uh, wife in her 30s, 40s, is the... What car is it? Tell me if you... Give me the color and the make of the vehicle. See if we're on the same page. Because you're actually in Ledoux, albeit the high school, not the municipality. What is the car? See if we're on the same page. Sure. Black or white Range Rover. God, it's the white Range Rover. Yeah. It's the right rain, white Range Rover all day. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? So down yeah. here, if you are a real estate agent, is a Porsche SUV. Yeah. I, I, I can see that. It, I mean, it, it's because it's the second. I mean, and it, why does it time out right when I look outside uh, when we start doing uh, the podcast? But there it is, except this one is uh, in a, in a younger, attractive lass, so I tip my captor, at least I assume she's the real estate agent. Uh, yeah, this place right across the street just sold. And then uh, the place that we've been in, uh, he just sold it. So Nice. Uh, yeah, things are uh, things are moving quickly. But anyway, we go out to dinner. And we kind of get into, and it wasn't tough to not talk about it, even though it has been all we've talked about any chance we get. Um, since, I mean, for real, we're talking three plus months every time like and in a way i almost feel bad but there's always kind of like a new development when we get a chance to talk and there's like i don't know a variety of different scenarios 
so we I don't even know how the hell we get on the topic. And here is this, you know, here is this woman I say about my wife. <laughs> uh, what a fucking gentleman. <laughs> but here is this woman I've been with for 13 years, married for, it'll be 10 years in November. And so, you know, we, we know each other pretty damn well, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how we got on the topic of it. But I started, like, you know, talking about some of these different little things from, like, growing up. Mm-hmm. And she goes, God, it explains so much. I think I was talking about, oh, I know what I was talking about. Um, my friends from St. Louis U High were all getting together this weekend. Mm. And uh, kind of an unofficial reunion. Like, I think, I don't know, like 12, 14 guys. Nice. And it sucks that I wasn't there. Uh-huh. But, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not there. and Yeah just the way that it was and it worked out that way it was kind of a short notice thing and i remember when i saw the plans being laid out now for you this is our age disparity thing because mm-hmm. i'm picturing when i was 23 and if somebody said yeah we're going to do this on friday night then we're going to play golf in the morning on saturday morning and then we're going to stay at this guy's place you know at uh you know location kind of outside st louis mm-hmm. and drink and barbecue and whatever I'd be like, okay, that'll be that'll be a fun couple of days. You wouldn't even think anything of it. Yeah. When I saw it being planned in the group text when it started getting planned just a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, these motherfuckers, you know, I'm young for the class, so mm-hmm. they're a little older than I am. And I'm like, okay, you're going to do this on Friday night, then you're going to get up and drive out there, you know, Saturday morning for a 10 o'clock tea time, and then drink all day after that or throughout that and then barbecue and hang out and fuck off Saturday night I'm like inevitably there's going to be a casualty and I'm not talking about like somebody passing away or getting injured I'm saying inevitably somebody is going to WD from Saturday after Friday night it's a lock yeah it's no because you just can't do it anymore yeah and someone you're out of shape you're out of drinking shape someone will order the couple fireball shooters from the cart girl (laughs) During the golf round, oh, while trying to solicit her, yeah, well, that's a, that's a given. Yeah, but absolutely. Uh, but they'll have those fireball shots, and then by about hole eighteen, maybe by the drive home, they'll be driven by someone. They get back, and the nap kicks in. The nap kicks in. Well, in this case, I woke up to. I mean, this group text thing, which is just reading material for me because I'm not participating yeah. in it since I wasn't involved in it. Mm-hmm. A guy tapped out. A guy tapped out on Saturday morning, didn't even buy, I mean, just like, you know, said he was, you know, drinking this or that at like 1.30, couldn't fall asleep, and he just bailed, and then immediately got his balls hazed off. And I yeah. said to Anna-Marie, I said, this, this was such a lock that this would happen. Like, it, for me, it was, well, first off, I'm not there, but secondly, I, I wouldn't have even, I would have gone, okay, I'll do Friday or I will do Saturday. I know the dynamic at this point. Can't mm-hmm. do it. Don't want to do it, number one. Can't do it even if I wanted to. And if I don't want to do something, I just don't do it. So then it becomes a can't. And so it became a whole thing. And then I explained to her, I said, and I don't, I don't know how this part came up. Oh, how I, how I wound up signing with Sigma Chi oh, at the wow. University of Missouri. Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, this is where we had to go in order to avoid talking <laughs> about the career stuff. <laughs> Went into the tank. Yeah. And I always said, I said, yeah, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And I knew it like almost right out of the gate. Um, and I knew I should have been somewhere else and this whole thing. And she goes, how do you wind up signing there? Uh, and then I kind of explained the story. And I said, I honestly think it was one of the first times I was ever drunk. Mm. Yeah. And now I was 17 when I started college. Yeah. But I really did not drink 
I got two things that are that are long form parlays. Especially, I bet people who listen to the radio show or the podcast would never bet. And that is, I was never drunk, like at a social event um, in high school. Never, never. Same. Didn't didn't even drink. You too. Yep. Hi, uh, college was the first. Well, you time. smoke a lot of uh, chronic. No, nah, not even that. It's just like. I, I I always like to drive because I, I wanted to, if I wanted to leave whatever we were at, I could do it whenever because sometimes I'd be like, ah, this is boring me or I don't want to do this. Uh, so I'm going to go home and I couldn't do that if I drank. So the move was don't drink. Uh, but then when I got to college, I started drinking. So that uh, that's how I... I mean, listen. I that I'm not saying. Oh, I didn't know what the hell was going on. I knew it was going on, but I just that's that's kind of like how, for the most part, it wound up happening. Every, you know, I mean, talking about rushing fraternities, holy shit! But that's what was going on, and um, so I didn't drink and get drunk in high school. Just didn't, and uh, and I think I maybe maybe for real. I don't even know. I think I might have played in one round of golf, and it was a scramble mm. with Jim Edmonds and Jason Isringhausen, actually. A two, because I can think of playing with Edmonds another time, and that was it. And it was only because he was asking, and we were like doing our show together at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a picture of me, Edmonds, and Isringhausen. And first off, I look like Mickey Carroll in any other picture <laughs> next to Isringhausen in particular. Jim's not super tall, but Isringhausen's yeah. a big guy. And uh, and my shirts on. T- I just look like and like I'm khaki shorts with a red shirt. I mean, just look, just like a, like in black shoes. I mean, just really, just like you know, like <laughs> something you see. Oh my god! <laughs> and to think that you know, like I mean, so anyway, those are the only two rounds of golf I played in my 30s. Uh huh. Wow. I know. Now we haven't played golf yet together. Correct. And it's not to say that you'll be like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm you know, alongside one of the greats here. Uh-huh. But, but you know, for how much I'm, you know, playing now and practicing and love it and so on and so forth, the fact that I didn't play in my 30s at all. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, at all. That isn't like, a, oh, yeah, I know I played like, you know, 10 times a year. No, I'm talking about literally at all minus those two scrambles. Uh, like, I think they were. One, I think they were both in 2014, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's fucking nuts to think about. Hmm. And then uh, I didn't drink in high school. I mean, parlay that. If somebody were to listen, go, okay, what are the what are the odds on that? I mean, that's like a thousand to one thing. Because what do I talk about? I talk about, you know, fucking off, uh, you know, booze, at least back in the day on the show, and um, and golf. And they weren't a part of my life. So it's, I can't wait to find what my next obsession will be. But... Um, yeah, that's that's the deal, and so she was like, "Well, that that explains so much that you didn't." Because the first time she said she was drunk was like, you know, like middle school. Jeez. Now I would ima- I would imagine that's on the earlier end of yeah. our bell curves here, For but sure. you know, different operation. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, and she goes, that explains like she she's just convinced, and I agree with her that I have this major arrested development. I do not have what is usually the makeup of a 44-year-old in St. Louis, you know, mm-hmm. at least as far as personality and mindset. Not that it's necessarily a good thing, by the way, um, but that's just kind of, and I think that there's this, like, arrested development. And um, and so then it got into a variety of other things. 
And Anna Marie and I were basically doing a podcast at dinner on Saturday night. <laughs> that's, how, that's how we finally come full circle on yeah. this Adderall festival uh, <laughs> that is the uh, Tim McKernan Show podcast. Um, although she was, you know, I mean, she was kind of on the other end of the spectrum. But yeah, so maybe it works out perfectly that we have a seven-year age gap mm-hmm. because I might be more in, in my mid-30s developmentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, age-wise, I am uh, I'm 44. But yeah, to not drink at all during high school, even if it's not something you really enjoy, mm-hmm. that is at least it, in the 90s. That's really rare. Now I don't know. You know, you're you're not that far removed. You're five years removed from high school. Mm-hmm. Was everybody drinking, or did you have a lot more marijuana use that then led to a decrease in alcohol? Both. Neither kind of influenced the other, though. Like, most of the kids I knew that drank also smoked, or those who smoked drank. Um, but both, I would say both are pretty commonly used. I just didn't like, I just, I didn't like drinking, because, like, I didn't want to, like, go back to my parents' house sloppy drunk and, like, throwing up in the bathroom. It just didn't seem like a fun scene to me. When I got to college and joined a fraternity, though, yeah, I started drinking a good amount. Um, still don't love it. I still don't like, I don't love, I got kind of not drunk, but I was inebriated on Friday night and it's not a fan. You wake up feeling terrible night of you eat stuff you shouldn't. I just, I'm not the biggest fan of getting hammered. I have, I mean, I am at a point, I don't even, I mean, I I don't know when the last time was that I was truly drunk. Mm -hmm. It had to have happened. But I'm kind of like, yeah, I, I like to have, I mean, it's, I don't know. It just, it just kind of, I, th- I, th- I think here, here's what I think happened. Now, you definitely don't have this going on. You have a child. Mm. And so it's not like you have that day, like if I would really get fucked up and if it was a 5 or 6 a.m. deal, it's like, okay, I'm going to just sit on the couch, watch sports, get, you know, something delivered to the house that's just grotesquely greasy. Mm-hmm. And let it sop up the alcohol, and then we'll go get them on Monday. You know mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's the I can't do that. You know I it would, that's that's just kind of what has ended it. Mm-hmm. So that's it. So I got to be out of town, like you know, and and uh, not have to worry about waking up and having Jameson responsibilities. Otherwise, I don't want to fuck with it. The juice is not worth the squeeze. That for me is what made me go. Okay, I'm not really looking to get beyond fucked up because I'm going to pay the price the next day. So mm-hmm. that's that that's the mindset. It's interesting that you're not there uh that that, that you're uh, you're not there with the child but that you are there with the, the mindset on the booze. We always welcome people to get involved here uh sending in questions, comments, requests for deep dives, erotic stories, whatever the case might be. Team McKernan at insidestl.com. And as I've found here what is going on with this podcast is people just when they have something pop up, it seems because these come in throughout the week uh they just like hey i wonder what you guys i'd like to hear somebody discuss it so it's kind of a way and i guess i kind of find i wish i had like a podcast i could listen to where i like i'm interested in hearing somebody who i think is going to give me their real opinion even if it's not necessarily the thing i agree with and i just send send an email so i guess that's kind of what people are doing now with this because it's not like i'm an expert on anything i mean for real anything i bring very little to the table i don't even know what the fuck i would consider myself an expert in 
Um, but uh, that's what's going on, and we get so many of these things. And I tried to catch up last week. We made a nice dent in it, but mm. now we have a bunch more. Team McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Uh, that's how you can send them in. I talked about uh, Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. So over the weekend, I had a situation that uh, developed quickly and is still developing. And I know Ryan is climbing a mountain, uh, as he is one to do for charity, the Keep Climbing Foundation. And so I reached out to uh, one of the, the people I've worked with at his offices before, and it kind of needed to move quickly and, uh, and to get an idea of, you know, kind of the landscape. Uh, and, uh, and this is like, this is yesterday afternoon, Jackson. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, like yeah. four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. But I'm like, hey, man, it's, you know. And he's like, no problem. Um, I'll turn it around. And within an hour gets me the information I need. It just like I mean, just like that. That is awesome. That's that's what they do there, though, and that's what people need. And especially in the home buying market that we are in right now, you have to be able to get things done quickly and work with a company that will. And that's what Ryan Kelly's HomeLoanExpert.com is set up to do. The HomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly's studio sponsor, and I am a very happy client of Ryan Kelly and the HomeLoanExpert.com. And yet another example right there. And then once you do business with Ryan Kelly. Now you're going to James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Things, uh, similar story. This is Friday night. Sitting, I think I was out at dinner. I don't know where the hell I was, but I got a text. Uh, yeah, we were at dinner. And a guy uh, texts me, who's a listener to the show. And uh, I don't know if he wants his name read, so I won't. Although I saw he posted something on the fan page raving about James Carlton. 314-961-4800. Sorry to bother you, but I just bought a house yesterday, and my insurance company dropped the ball so much so that apparently my agent retired a year ago, and their office closed. I don't even know who my agent is and need to get a quote for the closing. Can you connect me with your insurance guy? I'm totally blanking on his name, but I hear you talk about him on the show all the time. And I immediately, and this is is 720, Mm -hmm. so this is Friday night, so I immediately put them in a group text, James Carlton and this gentleman. And here is what he texted me, uh, and just like that, and this is like less than 20 minutes later, and just like that, he's getting me what I need tomorrow. The rumors about James Carlton are true. Thanks again. There it is. I love having these firsthand testimonials because I'm not bullshitting. You know, I mean, they are sponsors, and I, you know, that's, that's the deal is I do endorsements, but I'm not going to endorse somebody where I feel like the person is not going to take care of the audience. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. Another great partnership we have is with Munganast. And both Doug Vaughn and myself are driving cars from Munganast, stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. Right now at stlouisacura.com and altontoyota.com. They have a great new car supply. A lot of places are dealing with short supply, not at St. Louis Acura and Alton Toyota. Plus, they have a great selection of new vehicles, and you can ask about the 0% financing offers. Plus, save over $11,000 on all remaining 2020 MDXs. Yes, $11,000. Plus, over 250 used cars available at AltonToyota.com and StLouisAcura.com. It's Jamie Burkhardt. Clayton Patterson, you now know people you can talk to there. StLouisAcura.com and AltonToyota.com, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Subscribe to the podcast, post positive reviews about the podcast, spread the word about the podcast. We've got a nice little thing going on here with the podcast. I love doing the podcast. Thank you to everybody for uh, participating and listening as the numbers continue to grow. We're grateful, and we will continue to do 
um, more and more with it here, um, I would say, over the next X amount of uh, months. All right, I got a bunch of questions, and I'm going to try to go into a deep dive here. Uh, let's see. I would absolutely love to hear, I'm going to start with an Action Jackson one, Sweet. a fastest minute fastest three minutes type segment during the NBA playoffs from Jackson. As a fellow NBA fan, I would actually enjoy the content, but the backlash from the text inbox afterwards would be entertainment for all. Mm -hmm. Just spitballing here. Sidebar, I was at both 2018 Mizzou-Kentucky basketball game and the 2015 Rams-Seahawks opener. I also was absurdly excited about both of those games. You aren't alone, virgin. Kisses, that's from the chubby twink Icky Peter. Well, Icky Peter... I do sure appreciate that. Um, I think. Why are you talking like you're trying to fuck him? I mean, all of a sudden you went into a seductive voice, right? Did I? You know that you did that? Yeah, you did. You oh, really wow. did. I don't know. Maybe I just. Maybe, maybe I just subliminal. Hit, maybe I just hit puberty. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do really <laughs> laugh at that. Uh, <laughs> you want to fuck him? That's funny. I. <laughs> I would love to do some NBA talk, but I just would get so shit housed. Oh my god. Be brutal. I mean, me and Rock will throw in once in a while, and I think that's pl plenty. Not to mention, I'm not like Max Kellerman. Like, I can't just give a take about something. Like, Trey Young had a great shot last night. That's what I got. Like, that's now, now, let me ask you this because this got going. The, the reason for because some people who listen to the podcast don't listen to TMA. Hmm. So, I, I, I sometimes make the mistake. It's like Iggy. Like, I know yeah. Iggy thinks the world is the fan page, mm -hmm. and he has no idea that it's like a sliver of like the most active. You know, people who have a Facebook account, yeah, who listen to the show, and it's one of those. I had somebody, and I think I've told this story before, the unofficial title of the podcast, uh, that said that he was citing a show in. Um, I'm, not, I'm certainly not going to name the show, mm. and said that this this show lost its edge when it started paying attention to the most vocal listeners of mm. the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that that's. It's something that's going on with our show or anything along those lines. I'm just saying it's if you get caught up in it, it's like twi it's like I see Bill Maher say so often, the world is not Twitter and Twitter is not the world. Mm -hmm. the TMA is not the fan page and the fan page is not TMA. There's obviously an overlap there, but it's one of those things. But I, I that I know that there are people who listen to this podcast who don't listen to TMA or don't necessarily like TMA. And I'm sure there are plenty of people who listen to TMA who don't listen to this podcast. It cuts both ways. Point yeah. being, the reason why this topic has come up is when the Blues playoff started is Jackson here said that he would not be watching <laughs> the Blues playoff game when the Warriors and Lakers game was on and all hell broke loose. <laughs> yeah. All hell broke loose. Yeah, it sure did. I've it is so... I, it, that is, uh, even though it is a very minor thing, mm -hmm. it is a landmark moment. And I've been observing St. Louis, I guess I've been a part of it for two decades, but I've been listening to St. Louis Sports Talk Radio going back to the 1990s. What you did, even though you're just like, yeah, it's what I'm doing, what's the big fucking deal, <laughs> is unheard of. I know. In this market. It's unheard of. It is unheard of. And in that sense, even though I know you don't, you didn't think you were like coming out of the closet, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. In that sense, I really appreciate it. I even appreciate it more how you're so detached from this shit <laughs> that you didn't even realize that it would be a big deal. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but right when you said it, I'm like, oh my fucking god. Now, for now, here's the thing. Had this been October, and I know the NBA playoffs aren't going on in October. Mm -hmm. But let's say it's opening weekend in the NBA, and mm -hmm. the Cardinals have an NLDS game. 
and you say, yeah, I kind of want to watch the Lakers and Warriors. You know, the Lakers yeah. are raising the championship banner, and I kind of want to see, you know, those yeah. two teams play, and the Cardinals are playing at the same time. The reaction would not have been as intense. Yeah, now, I was I'd, thinking that too. That's, that's It's just the way that it, the Blues fan thing is kind of like the Mizzou fan thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Mizzou fan thing is a little different. Um because not everybody is a Mizzou fan, and therefore the expectation is that if you are on the radio or I guess television for people still that pay attention to that, that you're not that you are not you know necessarily a Missouri fan. You could be a St. Louis U fan. That could be your out. You could be an Illinois fan, or you could have gone to school. Imagine that going to a school you know outside of Missouri, Illinois, or St. Louis University, mm-hmm. but living in St. Louis. It can happen. It's rare, but it can happen. So therefore, oh, you know, I went to Indiana. And so, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Missouri, but I'm not a Missouri fan. I went to Indiana. And people can wrap their their arms around that, and that can be acceptable. But to say not only are you not going to watch the Blues playoff game Mm. and quote-unquote be on a sports show, something Mm -hmm. I personally don't believe and have been saying for years this is not a sports show, Mm -hmm. but nonetheless, the perception is there. I doubt Frank Opinion dealt with that when he was doing afternoons on KFNS, but I digress. Uh, And then, not only say that, but then pair it with watch that you're going to watch the NBA instead Oh, my goodness. You already had a fire by saying you weren't going to watch the Blues game, but then that you were choosing to watch the NBA, and it was LeBron James. And there's a good chance the people who really don't like the NBA, in parentheses, will figure out the reasons later, Mm. in parentheses, and then it's LeBron James. Well, well, well. Now you have the whole recipe. As I said, if we were creating a heel character, we couldn't have made one better than the kid from Ledoux who is not going to watch the Blues game and instead watch LeBron James in an NBA playoff game. Perfect heel character. Happens to be real, though, Jackson. No, it's so real. And that's and, and you're right in the sense where I didn't realize it was going to be a, a whole thing, as we say. Because, oh, I knew it immediately. Yeah, I'm I, like, ooh, I got... It's like when the Plowhawk first talked. I'm like, <laughs> oh, we're going to hire him. <laughs> no doubt. That's it. All I need to hear is his voice. No doubt. But I, uh, I, I realized it, but I live in, I guess, a vacuum because most of, a lot of my friends played basketball with me growing up or they played basketball in their life and we watch the NBA. Like, that's what we do. Like, we watch basketball all the time. And so when I said I was going to be watching basketball or announce my fandom of basketball, I guess, during the Mizzou basketball season, it became like a whole thing that that's apparently not what a lot of people do. Um, I don't know the, some numbers might show differently, but, um, I, God bless if you watch hockey, like I said, like watch hockey, enjoy it. I, I hope the blues do well. People like think that I like, I don't like the blues. I like the blues. Fine. I'm not the biggest hockey fan. Like I have never, ever, ever watched a hockey game that the St. Louis blues were not involved in never and have no interest in ever doing it. Cause I don't really thoroughly enjoy watching the sport but if you do god bless and i like hockey a lot going to the games i think that's awesome going to a hockey game is so much fun watching on tv not my bag i love stanley cup playoff hockey and i will Mm. find myself especially if you get an elimination game of a team not involving the blues or even an overtime game in its first round it could be like uh, yesterday i think uh the predators even up their series with the hurricanes Mm. uh the double overtime game um so I, I 
can watch that and love the intensity of it, especially with a full building. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. The regular season for me, even including the Blues, I could not care less about as far as things that are tied to St. Louis sports. Mm-hmm. It's just and and even that that opinion right there, which I know is fairly common, and I actually think would describe. Most sports fans in St. Louis, probably they don't have the level of apathy toward the regular season that I do, mm-hmm. but they love the playoffs like I do. Mm-hmm. I think that describes, even for me saying that, that was controversial when I first said that a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you saying, I don't watch, and on top of it, it's not like I will be in bed because I get up at four or something. <laughs> no, I will be staying up to watch the Warriors and Lakers play-in game. Yep. Oh, my goodness. Holy moly. Couldn't be happier I did it, too. It was an awesome game. (laughs) It was a ton of fun. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, the Blues Avalanche series. I don't know if there's a moment I remember from it, and it just ended yesterday, and I did watch the games. Yeah. You know, but... There was a a thread. I talked about this briefly on the TMA fan page. Mm. Um, There was a thread... On the fan page, I, I talked about this briefly on TMA, that it was on the TMA fan page, and I think there is a lot to this. Um, that because the Blues won the Stanley Cup in 2019, the emotional risk that a fan puts in, not necessarily you, and I'm not mocking you here, but just not something that you're emotionally invested in. Mm. Um, and even myself, that's why when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, I wasn't like, oh, I've been rewarded for all my hard-fought years of disappointment because I didn't have the level of emotional investment that many fans did. I thought of the Upper Bowl fans. I thought of Bobby Plager, number one, Kelly Chase, number two, and the Upper Bowl fans. That's who I thought of when the Blues won the Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just think of the emotional investment and the passion, like how they can get worked up about a, an October regular season game. It's just not something I could ever mirror unless I put a ridiculous amount of money on it. Uh, otherwise, I could not care any less. So along those lines, this person was saying, my emotional investment and my, my emotional risk is not nearly as high now that the Blues have won the Cup. And I think there is something to that. Yeah. This thing that you have been... Ch- like, I would imagine something you could draw somewhat of a parallel to, albeit they have 50-plus years on... What, 60-plus years on uh, on Blues fans, uh, would be Cubs fans. And then 17 years ago, Red Sox fans. Like, that kind of quest, um, I think it's different for, you know, something that's, I know, more important to you than it is to me, Missouri basketball, mm. or Missouri football, for that matter. But whereas with the Cubs and even the Red Sox or with the Blues, there were so many moments where they were on the verge of getting there, especially in the case of the Red Sox, Mm. um, or even the Blues, granted not Stanley Cup final moments, but rather playoff moments where your heart was ripped out like Cubs fans. That once you got there, it's kind of like okay, you can't. It, it just can't ever be the same the, the, in comparison to the first. It just can't. Yeah. It just can't. No doubt. I wrote a column at the start of the 2012 baseball season that I was in a weird spot emotionally with the Cardinals because I'm like, it can never be better than what we experienced in 2011. Like it can't be. Mm-hmm. You can't get better than Game Six of the 2011 World Series. You probably can't get better than the run that they made just to get into the playoffs that final night of the regular season, beating, from my standpoint anyway, the best team in a classic five-game series in the first round. 
beating a rival in the Brewers and Nigel Morgan in the second round, and then that World Series comeback. I mean, it just can't get better. Now the Cardinals did have a huge comeback in Game 5 against the Nationals of the NLDS. And you're going, holy shit! It just can't, I mean, how do we get... Th- we just had two things in one year that most fan bases never get in an entire existence. Yeah, definitely. You know? Mm-hmm. But you just, once you have that, I think you're kind of like, okay, so from my standpoint, like, it's like, oh, the Cardinals have a World, World Series in a decade. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, they went to the NLCS in 12, 13, 14, 19. I mean, you know, it's not like it's been the Marlins around here, you know, but I guess we got to do this to, like, get people riled up. And oh, it's been a decade. I mean, fuck. The <laughs> Yankees are the Yankees, and they haven't won a World Series in 12 years. Yeah. So... I just can't get, I can't, I can't, so the Blues lost, they clearly weren't as good as the Avalanche, I mean, mm-hmm. whatever anybody wants to talk about, I know Craig Berube was trying to go Peter, what, Peter DeBoer, right, Pete DeBoer, the coach of the Sharks, yeah. back in 2019, by bitching about the officials after game three, and leading into game four, just to try to get it, you know, some some calls in game four, he just didn't have anything, I don't think, I don't know if he really, really thought the officials were the reason they weren't winning, they were injured, they were beat up, uh, covid retirements, it just wasn't the same team. And honestly, I'm just kind of like, okay, I'm fine with it. I didn't go into it. If they would have gotten swept by the Jets in 2019, I would have been like, holy shit. Yeah. What in the world? This team that was the best in the NHL for three and a half months just got swept. What the fuck? And this, I'm just kind of like, okay, whatever. I mean, the game, the, a Blues playoff game is going on yesterday afternoon. And I bet a lot of people, now this is, this is something that's dangerous for us doing what we do for a living. I don't fucking care because at this point, you know, I yeah. don't know. I'm in, a, I'm in a different spot, I suppose. But uh, there wasn't even a split second where I was going to switch over from Phil Mickelson and the PGA Championship to flip over to see the Blues game. Not for Not one second. Not even a second. Yeah. It didn't even, I mean, I, I crossed my mind in the sense that I would flip back and forth um, on my phone or my laptop to see the score. Uh-huh. But as far as flipping over, I mean, I'm like, yeah, they're probably getting eliminated today. And if they don't get eliminated today, they're getting eliminated in Game 5 and, you know, whatever. It's like when the Cardinals lost to the Nationals. So this isn't a Blues-centric take. They clearly weren't in the same class as the Nationals, even though they were theoretically four wins away from the World Series. So when that happens, it's like the Missouri SEC Championship in 2014 against Alabama. It felt a lot different than the one against Auburn in 2013. Mm, they yeah. could have won in 2013. They didn't belong in the same field as Alabama in 2014. So that's kind of how I view it. But the Blues fan, not all, but a portion of, and maybe this has been reduced. It's kind of like how I apply it to like the Kansas City inferiority complex, Mm. which is a phenomenon now considering Kansas City's trajectory versus St. Louis. But also the Chiefs have won a Super Bowl and the Royals have won a World Series. I'd like to think that that has dissipated over the last five years because of St. Louis's trajectory and also the Royals winning a World Series in fifteen. And the Chiefs went in a Super Bowl two seasons ago. That you would think that that would calm everything down as far as that goes. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to it, but I think that contributed to it. So, in other words, the Blues inferiority complex that that has poor, a, a, you know presence in a portion of the fan base. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that has gone away to an extent after 2019 because it's like, okay, I got to see it. It was incredible. They played nearly the maximum playoff games. They played 26 of a possible 28 games. Hometown guy wins an overtime game to send them to the Western Conference Finals. They beat the Bruins in Game 7 in Boston. I mean, what else could I fucking ask for? So if some guy's going to watch the NBA, you know, on a show that's like 3% about sports... 
I'm not going to really bother getting upset about it. No. Nah. So I think for the most part, most people are just like, it's more of a roast thing. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like busting balls and not really upset about it. Um, I, but I'm just telling you, having done this since 2002, that what you did was a landmark moment on yeah. KFNS. Well, and if we were on 101 or some other sports, <laughs> day, it would have been a la- I, on 101. It would have been a really different thing because that's the Blue Station. Yeah, that's but uh, that uh, it, I'm just like right when you said that, I'm like, oh my goodness, all hell is going to break loose for you. Well, I'm honestly not done because when you asked me today on the show what I was doing instead of watching the Blues, I was unaware what time the Blues were playing. I thought they were playing at night. Yeah, that's why when you were talking about the Cardinal game. Yeah, I, I was I, I was like, what the fuck's that gotta do with it? Yeah, I had no idea when it was on. I was watching from one thirty until he picked up the trophy. I was watching Phil go to work and uh, a little bit of Suns and Lakers mixed in there. But uh I did not know when they played. I so if I even wanted to watch the game yesterday, I wouldn't know what time it was on. Because yeah, then I watched the Cardinal game and then finished up private parts and that was that. Ah, the homework assignment from last week. Now, oh. here is the thing. Private Parts, the Howard Stern movie that I said on last, I think I said it last mm-hmm. week's podcast, was a defining moment in my life. And we went th- it, we went through some of those at the, the, the dinner that became a podcast on Saturday night. But mm-hmm. Anthony's heard the Private Parts thing probably a hundred times at this point. Now, here's my read on this. If you had to finish it up, you didn't enjoy it that much. No, I did. I, 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 so when Would I, it get a good or bad on your goodorbad.com website? Good. I really enjoyed it. I really, I, I do, and I like biographical movies, especially when the person who is the subject of it is playing himself, and then the other cast members doing the same thing. I really did enjoy that. Uh, I love Robin Quivers. I think she's awesome, and she was really good in it. Um, I really did enjoy. I watched some of it Friday night, kind of when I was because I rented it Friday afternoon uh, after the show. I watched a little of it, and then I went out. On Friday See, if you're night. really enjoying a movie, to me, you don't watch a little of it. You watch the whole thing. No, I know, definitely. That's, that's I, why I say I pref- that. I prefer to do that. That's why I watch The Irishman in theaters, so I wouldn't stop watching. You know, wow, well pausing. done. Yeah. Tip of the cap. Had to do it. Um, but I, I picked up parts of it, and then last night, I, I probably watched an hour of it last night. So I got most of the, the bulk of the movie in last night. And uh, I really, I really did enjoy it. Paul Giamatti's really going for it. I will say yeah. that. He's well, that's really before he deep. was a star. Yeah. I read that that was like his breakout role. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. He was really going for it. You could tell it was almost like an audition for something else because he is screaming at Howard Stern. Yeah, he is good. Uh, so on a one to, and I don't know if you do, do you do one to four star? I know you're basically good or bad.com. So yeah. I'll go one to this. 10. And oh, wow. 10 stars. What a treat. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go. I'll, I'll do decimal points too because I feel like that's uh, really like exciting times. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go seven point three. Wow, that's pretty low. Well, I wasn't like screaming, laughing out loud, but it was really interesting. See, I, I would, I wouldn't even necessarily. I don't know if I'm sure there are some moments where I laughed. I guess I, th- for me, it wasn't the laughing element of it because a lot of the stuff that he was synonymous with, and I guess maybe mm-hmm. is still synonymous with, even though I view it more as an interviewer now than than that yeah, in the nineties definitely. and the eighties. Um, I never really found all that funny. Like if I'm listening, if I, if I have Howard 100 or 101 on and I see it's like a, you know, Ronnie, the limo driver segment, I'm just like, I'm not going to fuck with it. Mm-hmm. But if I see it's like the Michael Che interview last week, which I still haven't listened to, um, I will be engrossed in that and I'll make yeah. sure to go back to it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am as a listener. And that's what I think a lot of it was. 
yeah. in that movie. But the thing that stood out to me was, and I hadn't even experienced it yet. I mean, I was I was a junior in college when I saw that thing. But now then I look back on it, it's like, okay, I've dealt with kind of like the Paul Giamatti character, a variety of different stops. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, the, the audience hatred thing, the audience loving thing, how that actually does work. Mm-hmm. And by work, I mean, it actually happens. I'm not saying it's like a strategy. It just kind of works that way. Like, as, as we're talking, we know that there are people who hate me who are listening to my podcast. Like, we know that that is going on, mm-hmm. which is an, an, an or hate or just they don't, they don't really like me and kind of obsessed, I think, is probably the better way. Which is just an odd, to me, it's an odd thing. We talked a little bit about it last week. And so that that's why that movie, to me, drove, like, it, it allowed me to kind of know that that existed mm-hmm. going into my career and not being as um, averse to it, I suppose, and almost like welcoming it because I idolized him so much, idolize him, present tense, that like it's like oh cool now people hate me and so that's like stern you know mm-hmm. as opposed to going oh fuck these people hate me you know yeah so it's a so when I'm talking about the hatred thing I'm more, I still I will always be I don't understand why somebody would listen to something we talked about this last week the hate the hate listen phenomenon mm-hmm. but we know it exists and that movie kind of documents it but the bigger moment was the scene and now you've seen the movie where he's doing the live read for the sporting goods store. Yeah. And he catches, you know, yeah. he's he's trying to ad lib through it like, "Oh, my family went to, you know, growing up as a kid and then oh, the grand opening is tonight." And that was the moment where he goes, "You know what? I'm never going to do that again." Now, I I doubt that that actually happened. Yeah. I doubt that's the way that it played out. But the whole reason for that scene was to convey that he is going to be as bluntly honest as possible with his audience. The weird thing about that movie is it is, I think to take a way back step on that movie is I think it was a PR move. Hmm. I think it was a PR move to get, and it was based on his book. So really the book more so than the movie, but the two of them were PR moves to get people who hated him and thought he was a, um, you know, take your pick, misogynist, always cheating on his wife because of the way he would talk about porn. Yeah. Uh, so obviously this is why it resonates with me. Uh, that that he, that it really was a love letter to his first wife. Yeah. And then, like, I think, Jackson, within three years of that thing coming out, they got divorced. Yeah, I read so that. So then a lot of people go, yeah, I mean, fraud. I mean, it's a total fraud thing. But I can, I, you know, as somebody who has been divorced and then also has also been like, oh, you can't possibly be married and talk about pornography like that. I go, no, you can. And, you know, it, it really is an easy thing to compartmentalize because mm-hmm. um, I'm quite certain I'm not the only married guy watching porn. But, but uh, you know, digressing, I can get that. I have no idea what the circumstances of their marriage was. No, nor is it any of my business, mm-hmm. but it is absolutely 100% noticeable especially as somebody who's been divorced and knowing the terms of my situation that when anybody makes reference to uh his ex-wife or even if they say and it's usually a guest or they say you know you know you've been divorced he immediately redirects the conversation so Mm -hmm. my read is it is in the uh divorce decree i believe is what it's called uh that 
from his ex-wife that under no circumstances am I or our divorce ever to be talked about. Yeah. And I totally get that, by the way. I don't, For sure. I, I get it. But that is that is the deal. So it's a weird spot with that movie, which he referenced. I feel like any time I hear him interviewing an actor or actress, he talks to me, you know, I haven't done a movie. Is it weird not to feel some kind of romance with your... Uh, you know, co-star because it's this like, uh, you know, like heavenly world they put together for you. And it's almost hard not to fall in love with your co-star that uh, it's, it's a weird, I bet that's a weird spot for him, Definitely. you know? Um, but at the same time, in a way I actually can, I can get it. But the thing that resonates with me most is that I think that that was um, in part a PR strategy to frame his story um, as being misunderstood. Yeah. I, I think which that, which by the way might be the case I don't know but I yeah. remember I remember consciously thinking like that and that's the reason why I thought it was brilliant mm-hmm. I'm like I think there's so many different elements of this that are brilliant but they're not being said and I get it and I love it that's why I am a, a lemming yeah and I think that the like one of the few drawbacks is linked to that as I think they spent a little too much time on the B plot of his relationship with his uh, first wife which I get. I mean, you have to have that in there, and it's an interesting dichotomy between the relationship on the radio that he has with his audience and how he includes his wife into that and her kind of uncomfortable with that. Um, but I just felt, you know, the really interesting stuff in that is how he created this show just kind of swimming against the swimming against the tide, swimming against the stream. I don't know what to say there, but I think it's I really... Follow, baby. I follow you. Thank you. And I think that was the really, like, cool part of it, and they took some time out to really frame that, you know, he talks about porn and he might have a lesbian on the air. Uh, some good lesbian scenes in there. Oh, no my God. Janine Lindemolder and the braided hair and the lesbian uh, orgy scene. Yeah, there was a That's lot. That's what stan- still stands out to me 20 years later. <laughs> but, it really does. Yeah, it honestly no does. I'm going, once again, another observation on just being a total fucking weirdo. But the thing with the porn, like, this is something, like, I can talk about my mm-hmm. my situation now, although I certainly want to, you know, be measured. Um, but, I mean, initially, when we were first together... I mean, the first couple of years, not like right away. Mm-hmm. I just remember Anna Marie, who, as I've said before on the show, and it's not an act. It's not like she's like really into porn, but then I cover for her on the show. <laughs> like she really is not. Um, like for like if I'm a 10 into it, she is whatever the most negative you can be <laughs> not into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's never been any, you know, misinformation otherwise. That has been crystal clear from the very, very beginning. Yeah. But I remember a conversation, again, I mean, we're talking before we were married, so a long time ago, where she's like, I just don't understand how you can talk about that, but then I'm like, I, it's, it's two different things. And it's a, to me, I don't associate pornography with a relationship. It's a compartmentalization of sexuality, which to me, I distinguish sexuality and emotion, which may be sociopathic. To me, I think it's the right thing. Because I can, mm-hmm. I know I could have sex with somebody. Hell, somebody I probably wouldn't even be that attracted to, and be like, okay, that was that. Hope you enjoyed it. Good chance you didn't. Whatever. Never see you again, and not be like, hold on a second. I just enjoyed having sex with somebody else. I must not love my wife. Mm-hmm. It's just there's two totally different things. Yeah. But they have been overlapped. I don't really know why. I'm sure there was some reason for it, and um, control would be my guess. But but that that religion or control or both that that 
people do associate understandable. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying for me, I don't associate the two. I can compartmentalize and, 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 and like not even a sweat. I'm not like, sweet, there's a new Abigail Maxine. Hold on a second. Am I in love with her? You know, I'm yeah. just like, good. I hope it's hot. And I really hope she stops with the collagen injections. But other than that, that's where I am on that. And then I leave it behind. And my emotions are reserved for my my wife and my love is reserved for my family and that's that's it and it's really kind of easy so i don't know if i don't know if that's like an insecurity thing for people now this is it this i don't even know how this came up this this dinner was pretty good i should have recorded the dinner task we we we, this is uh, i was contacted and this person might be listening um i don't know about a year ago and and I don't know how it came up. So you weren't working with me at the time. Mm-hmm. So this might have been a gangster Pete thing, or maybe I talked about it on the radio. And I guess maybe it was like a Dear Deidre or something like that, where somebody had a huge bill mm-hmm. on one of the sites where you interact with women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume it's guys interacting with women. I mean, if women are interacting with women, that would be really wonderful. I'd love to watch it. <laughs> but I assume it's mostly guys, probably married. Yeah or lonely, single, <laughs> mm-hmm. interacting and paying, you know, yeah. for what they think is personal interaction when in reality it's probably a guy typing. Yep. But either way, I don't want to ruin it for you. And this guy contacted me because I can't, and I said, I just, for me, I don't, you know, n- nor do I not get it. I don't, I don't, I've never even like gone into one of those to even know really how it works which I would get if people are listening right now going, ah, you're probably lying. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not. I, would, I don't blame you for thinking I'm lying outside of the fact that I know that I'm not. And this guy contacted me and he goes, I can't believe for as much as you talk about porn and sex that you don't go on Chatterbait. And I go, what the fuck is, I go, I think Chatterbait like would sponsor shit on Stern Show. Mm. And that's the only reason I'm, I know what it is. I don't need to explain it to the audience because... I would guess more than seven out of ten people listening right now would like haven't used it, but just by the name you get an idea of what it is. Yeah, it's well done as far as the marketing goes. No doubt. And he's like, "Yeah, I spend you know, and then this one's really good, and then she's really good, but she's only on like at nights." And I'm going, "Wow, you know." But hey, whatever, whatever blows your hair back doesn't yeah. matter to me. Doesn't impact me. And so Anna Marie and I were bullshitting about this at this dinner that should have been a podcast Saturday night, and she goes, "Now that." I actually could see someone, a significant other, considering that to be some semblance of cheating. And I go, I have to be honest with you. I would agree with that. Because you're having what you think is some kind of one-on-one interaction. Now, I'm sure other people would not see it that way. Like, was phone sex cheating? I don't know. I didn't do it. But... From, but I think there are some people who think porn is cheating. And I'm not talking about like people, you know, in the South. I'm talking about across the board, you know, where it's not just like demonized because of, you know, the Bible. But not that I believe porn and chatterbaits referenced in the Bible, but I haven't read it in a while. But in general, pornography being, you know, some form of infidelity. Mm-hmm. To me, I think it's healthy. But I know that that almost, that's like, I don't know what's a more controversial statement. Jackson saying he's going to watch the NBA over the Blues in the playoffs or me saying I think pornography is healthy. But I do. <laughs> I do. I think sexual fantasy and sexuality is healthy. I have no, no idea why it's demonized. None. I mean, for the it's like, can't say fuck on the radio. I don't get it. I have no idea why. None. I just know I can't. 
and so I don't. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like going to like protest it. It's pretty easy to just not say it. So whatever. But it's like the porn thing. I don't get it. I have no idea. Like Doug and I will sometimes bullshit. Mm-hmm. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I think this would happen. And he goes, it's just the porn stuff probably makes people go. And I go, yeah, I don't think that anybody really gives a shit about that. Mm-hmm. But I know that like for him with the TV stuff, he feels like he's got to, you know, yeah. make it clear he's not, you know, publicly anyway, you know, participating in it. And I get it because I've been there. So I know the program. Mm-hmm. I'm angry about it. I understand it. I just think it's stupid. I, you know, when it comes to like like a DUI, for example, you know, or mm-hmm. multiples, I guess would be a better way to just, you know. Well, you're actually putting people at risk there, you know, yeah. you've chosen to, but this, but, but, you know, but me being the porn guy, well, now I'm unhirable for some people and it's just like, okay, Craziness. <laughs> but it's real. No, and no, I know that people is. know what I'm saying there. And, 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 and so what that leads to is people kind of, I think in, in investigating for lack of a better term or thinking through like, yeah, you're actually right. And now that you say that, that is kind of fucked up. I wonder why that is. I don't have the answer to the why it is. I just know that it is. And so therefore I kind of just, you know, you deal with it. Mm -hmm. But the chatterbait thing, like if I, for example, if I were to, well, let me put the shoe on the other foot here. If Anna Marie were to have some guy, really be great if we're a girl, but let's say she was some guy Mm -hmm. and she's, you know, he's beaten off <laughs> and she's like now that the fact of any woman doing this it's so rare for women to do this where it's like you know like <laughs> nine out of ten guys but like oh i get to watch her do that <laughs> but uh you know and then like they're like she's looking forward to like talking with them that to me i would understand that being something that would bother me that yeah. would legitimately bother me no doubt if it were going on behind my back if she were uh you know diddling or skittle to uh you know to some stag video yeah couldn't care any less couldn't care any less that's where i am i don't know what that explains i'm just telling you that's where i am i know you're not married jackson but i'm just telling you that's where i am now some guys might be like oh i'm really uncomfortable with the latter i i would probably tell you you know that that it's probably going on anyway i don't know if it's going on with stag and i just couldn't care any less because to me it's just like it's like you know you got to go piss you got to breathe. It's just the deal. It's just the way that humans work. And to act like otherwise is to have your head in the clouds. Yeah, I think one, you know, a stag a stag film that you're watching is you're in the audience. You know, you're just, you're just sitting there probably with a trench coat on. You're in the audience. The second that you start chatting and having like a intimate conversation with someone, now you're on stage. And that's, I think, where the difference lies. I think being in the audience is like, well, there's other people in the audience too. But when it becomes a one-on-one, that's when it becomes like, oh, this is like kind of different and maybe I don't like this. That, I think, is the key. Mm-hmm. Some kind of an emotional element. Yeah, definitely. To me, then that's the thing. It's like my emotions are reserved for one person. Mm-hmm. That's where I am on it. And yep. I know there are people in poly relationships and they have open relationships or they might be like, oh, I'm in love with two people, whatever. And God bless, doesn't impact my life at all. You do your thing, whatever. But as far as emotion goes, you know, that's that's where it's so that's why i think that's why there's the line there and so when she said that i'm like yeah i guess i kind of i kind of see where you're going on it i know i don't do it it would be pretty aggressive to um you know like have i don't even know like a whether it be 25 or 100 i have no idea what the chatterbait going rates are 
charge on the credit card. Hmm. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Chatterbait, $112 this month. <laughs> what the fuck is this? I was beaten off to some girl in Russia. Great English, though. The guy who's in Kirkwood, who's chatting for her. Uh, all right. Uh, let me see what else I got going on here. Uh, hey, Tim. If you, I got a lot of daily fantasy uh, questions this week, I by bet. the way. Yeah, big week. I didn't, ex- I didn't expect that. I kind of felt like I was talking to three people when I'd be doing the, the daily fantasy stuff. Hey, Tim, if you win big at daily fantasy, I'm talking 50,000 plus, will you talk about it? It seems like you're pretty open with the audience, but how do you... Thank you. Jesus, I'd like to think so. Uh, <laughs> it seems you are pretty open with the audience, but how do you... Uh, but how do... Make sure I'm right. But how do how you do with fa- daily fantasy? But talking about a huge win has probably zero upside. How would you handle that situation? That's from Adam. It's a great question. Yeah. Um, here are two things. Uh, so Jackson, I'm going to I'm going to charge you with the responsibility to make sure that I you'll if I don't go to the second thing because as you know this is just the Adderall fest. Yeah. Um, I'll get remind you back me. There. Yeah. So. I think I made a mistake in my career a few years ago, and it was based on Artie Lang, which probably is a way a lot of sentences could be, <laughs> begin. Yeah, in this industry. Yeah, and, and and it was based on, I would listen to Artie on Stern, mm-hmm. and he would talk about the money he was betting. And I'm like, I think that's good, Mm-hmm. Even though it's money that I can't possibly relate to betting, I mean, he—I think he was—I mean, he would lose. He was usually talking about losing, but betting, you know, five figures a game, maybe even more. Um, you know, and he wasn't like proud of it, but he, uh-huh. you know, it, it, it I, to me it helped drive home the story. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, because of that, I will talk about money in that way. Mm-hmm. And it just—I don't—I don't think it's limited to St. Louis. Although I think St. Louis is a little more hypersensitive about it than perhaps a, a New York or Los Angeles situation. I think in the LA situation, you might have people just making shit up to try to be able to roll with people. St. Louis is kind of the opposite for the most part, at least the people I would want to hang around with anyway. Mm-hmm. And that you don't talk about money. You yeah. absolutely don't talk about money. And so when I would go, yeah, you know, I put a hundred on it. Which was kind of my way, and I'm sure the tone said, yeah, it wasn't that much, it sucks I lost, mm-hmm. but kind of a whatever, as opposed to, I loved it, and I put, and I don't even know what the most I've ever put on a game is, uh, it's never been four figures. Mm-hmm. But I, but it, the reality is, for a lot of people, a $100 bet is a huge bet. Yeah. And, and now, every, as I always say, with me and with money, everything changed when the Post-Dispatch wrote the details of my contract with KFNS. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. Everything changed. Jennings was calling me the million dollar baby, and you know it was a play on the the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I assume is good. Uh, oh it's, wow! It's on the border. That was the, that was the rough wow. mid two thousands Oscars where Million Dollar Baby and Crash won. Wow, kind of rough. I'll give it good, but teeter. That's why that website's so good. Yeah, that's why I'm investing three point two million dollars into goodorbad.com. And we're happy to take it. Talking about money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, you know, I'm just, so I told Jay privately, I'm like, hey, you know, this is not something I'm enjoying. It Mm -hmm. is fucking miserable, as a matter of fact. And I know, and this was like like within the first couple of days of it. Yeah. And I said, it's going to cause me problems for the rest of my life, as long as I'm living in St. Louis and doing this stuff in St. Louis. So, Mm Just stop, please, if you could, with the million dollar baby. So he's gone back to Lil Poker, yeah. which I'm, I'll take uh, in comparison. No doubt. 
So once that happened, and then I'm talking about the size of bets, it became a thing, and a thing I really wish, it, totally with the benefit of hindsight. Just like, yeah, I should have never done that. Contract details notwithstanding, you just don't, it's just not a good place, especially in St. Louis, mm-hmm. especially in St. Louis, um, because then you can get into the hashtag unrelatable. Now, in my mind, you know, it's just not, you know, I don't, I don't, I liked that Artie did that because it helped give me an idea of how strongly he felt about the game and mm-hmm. how strong his pain was mm. uh, or his joy was. So I liked that. I liked it, but if I could go back, it is something that I think was a mistake and really kind of a, an obvious mistake because I've known, especially in the dynamic of St. Louis, which we've talked about before, with the people who have real money in St. Louis, real, 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 real money, the real money in St. Louis, they don't want you to know about it. And in my interactions those are the people I want to be around more, not because of their money, but that type of approach to life. Mm-hmm. Um, that is what, like the like the you know the Porsche real estate agent thing that's hmm. commonplace. It's either Mercedes or Porsche mm-hmm. down here. Not my thing. Yeah. Absolutely not my scene. Not my scene at all. Hate that shit. And it's usually new money, and I and there's usually personality traits associated with that that I don't want to hang around. I mean, it's fine if I got to deal with it for an hour or something, but it's not something I'll ever be friends with that type of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I talked about with like the Instagram thing. Yeah. Um, if 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 you know um, if I were single, and I'm like, oh man, this girl. She is beautiful. I really, her personality is super cool. This could be something I'd be interested in. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm on Instagram and I see her on Instagram and everything is like duck lips in the car, yep. you know, or and she's posing for I'm like, oh, fuck, that's Solo it. Doesn't picks. matter. I'm done. I'm out. I know I'm out. I know it's a disaster waiting to happen for our two personalities. I know in my opinion anyway, it screams insecurity mm-hmm. and I am O-U-T out. So you have to know kind of the psychological dynamics and what works, whether it be in an individual relationship or in a relationship with the audience. And I made a mistake there, especially for a St. Louis audience, even though it wasn't intended to be a brag at all. I mean, a $100 bet to me is not a brag. But, you know, sometimes I'll see people on the fan page post screenshots and they're winning like $3 on DraftKings. And I'm like fuck you know we're we're doing two different we're doing two different things here but it's not because it's me and my money it's you know the game sizes but that's that's it's it's a different thing and then also you know i said i said this to anna marina i'm like god i wonder internally what she's thinking as we were talking about this because i i think i talked oh we talked about on tma probably got into it too much on tma even though it was only like three minutes we got into the weeds on the pga championship and fantasy ownership which i'll get into momentarily Mm -hmm. so you know to skip ahead for those of you who have zero interest in it Mm -hmm. but i'm like god i made such a fucking mistake and this was on thursday before he even wound up finishing second with not putting brooks kepka in a bunch of lineups Mm -hmm. and it was such an it was such an obvious mistake because it's the same reason i put patrick cantlay in Mm-hmm. It's the same reason you put Brooks Kepkin in, and the same reason you put Hideki Matsuyama in, mm-hmm. and that is because they were all projected to have super low ownership. It's such a, like a rookie mistake. It's so disappointing. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad that he's playing well. I'm mad that I didn't put him in. I'm not mad that Sam Burns withdrew, even though I had a lot of them, because that's going to happen. You can't get mad about it. That's going to happen. What are you going to if you put yourself in the best position to win and mathematically, and it didn't work out? Well, fuck. What are you going to do? Guy withdraws, yeah. he gets hurt. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. But if you make a move that you go, oh my fucking god! Like mm-hmm. if you get blown up with pocket aces against pocket kings, 
in the World Series of Poker. It fucking hurts. But what are you going to do different? The fuck are you going to do different? A king comes off on the river and you lose to a set? What, you can't fucking do anything there. So I, that's what I was saying to her. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, I mean, she's acting like she's interested. But deep down, is there any interest? Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there might be because we did do well, uh, I guess, not two weeks ago. Three weeks ago, we won a bunch. And then two mm-hmm. weeks ago, we won a bunch. Not as much, but a bunch. And then this week, we got absolutely massacred. But I knew it because we had burns on like a quarter of the rosters. Yeah. So immediately on Thursday afternoon, I'm like, oh, fuck. We just got to hold on this week because we got problems. But then when Kepka was playing well, Matsuyama was playing well, um, Cantlay was playing well. Uh, he wasn't really playing well, but he was lurking. But I had Cantlay, and, and I had a lot of Woodland. Mm. Yeah, he was lurking too. And, and I, so I was on that, but I was really mad about the, the like the uh, you just even if you like kept to look terrible the week before he's injured you still if the if three percent you just have an obligation if you're playing the right way to have some like I'm talking ten percent of your rosters have them because now you have three times the leverage on the field mm-hmm. if he has approximately three point three percent ownership percentage projected that's that's the game so. With regards to, I talked about the Artie thing. What was the second part that I wanted to say regarding Daily Fantasy? Because I know I said there are two things Yeah, you said there was two things on it, and then you... Oh, yeah. Okay, so people, I think they're like, somebody, I I did a thing when I was flying back uh, down here a couple of weeks ago, Mm -hmm. which is basically like questions from the audience way back when on the fan page, Mm -hmm. um, and... uh, and, and and allowed people to just ask whatever, and uh, and and people will do it, even though I know that some people are scared to interact with me because then it means that they're a fan of mine, and you can't be a fan of mine on the fan page. Mm-hmm. But but uh, this gentleman asked the question: How does your wife feel about your minus? I don't even remember what it, what it was. Return on investment on. Dra- uh, DraftKings, mm-hmm. and I'm going. Oh, I guess people are actually monitoring at this point now what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> <on> DraftKings, <laughs> oh my God. and part of me was like, okay, how do I handle this one? Because because I'm like, well, we've won fifteen thousand dollars the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. So fuck yourself is one response, <laughs> but then I'm like, oh, then that doesn't do me any good because now I'm talking about the wins and part of the deal. With the Tam, the reason I talk about the Tam Avenue Capital Partners, I talk about the losses. I've never talked about our win on the radio. I, I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Or oh, I've noticed. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I noticed it when we did the podcast two weeks ago. Yeah, it, it's it's not a, it's not a uh, it's not a coincidence. You no, know, this I is, think it's the, the right move. Right, but but I mean, but what did I do with the the potentially moving discussion? I kept it to the podcast. Yeah, you know, these yeah. things aren't coincidental yeah. for as improv as it is there is some element of uh i don't want to call it planning strategy but, uh, strategy, strategy is actually actually the right word but i was choosing not to use it but that is 100 percent the right word yeah. because i kind of know the deal mm-hmm. and the podcast listener uh while there certainly is a venn diagram um element to tma it's a different it's a different kind of situation so the fun with the Tam Avenue Capital Partners is that it's just a, it's a, it's like, you know, it, it's like making, like, like if I go out and I shoot two under, I'm mm-hmm. never going to talk about that on the radio. No. I'm never going to talk about it on the radio. But if I go out and I shoot like a 91 in an event, you know, which would be really bad for me. Yeah. I would, you know, I would talk about it. For sure. That's the deal. So it might sound weird, but that's the deal. Now, regarding uh, Adam's question. If we were to have a big score, here is the thing. People will know. I was getting the weekend where we finished sixth, and it wasn't a millionaire maker because it was, I think it was the Valspar. So the top prize for like the game where it was like a 
$15 per roster buy-in, I think is what the cost was. Mm-hmm. And we were in the mix to win the 200000 and we wound up winning, I think, 10 We finished six, which shows you how top-heavy the payout is. Yeah. Um, that people were, like, monitoring. And I don't want to say monitor. They're like, I think some people were cheering for me. I'm sure there are plenty of people who were cheering against me. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, I made the mistake when I created my DraftKings account however many years ago that it's my name. Yep. And so there's no... <laughs> what would you change it to now? Well, I don't know if that's the... Th- I, I honestly was thinking about changing it, but here's the thing. I don't know if you can because part of the strat, I assume... Uh-huh. I'm going real on the weeds, man. Hit the skip button if you want. <laughs> but part of the way I became a winning player in poker, and I'm not talking about like, yeah, I made like a couple grand. It was, it was, I made in the last full year online poker was legal, and that's not even the right word, but yeah. mainstream in the United States, which was 2010, because it got shut down by the evangelicals in 2011. Uh, that, uh, I made basically comparable. I was on uh, to to my first year at KMOV. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was it was a real. Now I was a tournament player, which you can't count on. There's so much volatility mm-hmm. in playing tournaments. I mean, it's super volatile. You can run deep and do everything right and get broken off ace king against ace queen, and a queen comes off, or you know, ace king against queens, and you're flipping a coin, that type of shit. But the thing that changed the game for me was the databases and when i would sit down at a table or you get moved at a table at a tournament I, the first thing i would do is i would type in the player names mm-hmm. in the databases and see what their rois were mm-hmm. because that would tell me what kind of player they were mm-hmm. if they were a losing player a losing player is usually played one way not all the time and winning and if i saw this person was a whale and had won you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars over their lifetime playing on poker stars i'm like okay I get it, probably going to be, you know, in a bunch of pots and raising and re-raising and check-raising and doing all kinds of batshit stuff because that's the way that the good players in 2010 were playing. And so then it allowed you to kind of know, even though it's not the information telling you what they had, it was giving you an idea of who you were at the table with. Mm -hmm. And so my guess is, is people will, now I don't do this, but we're usually just entering these massive lottery ticket tournaments, which is why our return on investment is fucking terrible. That, and I'm not good at it. Those are the two main factors. But um, we've certainly improved here recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would imagine that people who play like the small, like 10-person games, or if they're just playing heads up, because you can do that. Yeah. Well, I would imagine you can do it on FanDuel. I know you can do it on DraftKings. Yeah, for sure. That they look to see who the person is on the other side if it's a two-person game, and if they see my user account there and then they look up in a database that this motherfucker has like a minus 75% ROI, mm. they're like salivating, and mm. there'll be a line out the door to play against me. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? No doubt. So I don't think that, I don't know, I guess I could ask for DraftKings to change my name, but the truth is I really don't care. Here is the issue. I think we probably are going to have a big score yeah, I mean, we I guess theoretically when we we won thirteen fourteen thousand whatever it was a, a few weeks ago, and then we won I think five or six the week after. Those are big scores as it is, mm-hmm. but I'm talking about like a big big score, like what Adam's asking about, like a fifty thousand dollar one. Yeah, people will know. For sure, it's not. It's not. It's so. It's so even. So now people were texting in the morning after. I think like I keep saying. I think it was the Valspar where we had like the where we were in the mix to win the two hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. And wanting me to talk about it, and I wasn't going to talk about it, 
now if we would have like lost every, but if we would have had three thousand dollars in rosters and I would have lost every dollar, I would have talked about it mm-hmm. and I would have had fun talking about it. Yeah, no doubt. But it's a, but 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 it's one of those things with the as they become known the Tam Avenue Capital Partners, which I think would be a wonderful t- t-shirt by the way. T A C P is you know. It's it's. I mean, there are a bunch of guys. Like, if we do it, I think it's like a two thousand dollar raise. There are guys like who are like Venmoing sixty eight dollars. Yeah. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to shit on sixty eight dollars. I got to be careful here because this is like going against my Artie Lang thing earlier. But that doesn't really fuck people's lives up much, Mm-mm. or even you know a few hundred is the case for a couple of other people. It just kind of depends on where you are. Now, when I was starting out in television. $68 would have owned my world. <laughs> so things change. But I also understand as things change, the value of a dollar changes and everybody's in a different spot. And it's not like, okay, you must you know, send in your tax returns from the last three years in order to listen to the show. So you can have, I'm certainly have multimillionaires who listen to the show. And then we have people who are just starting out or probably making, you know, in the teens annually. Mm-hmm. And it's the people in the teens, you know, who they don't want to hear that shit. And so I'm aware of that. And they want you to lose, not because they want you to lose, but because they don't want to find out other people are winning. Yeah. And so you just have to not talk about it, you know, and that's but but my point is, is that a you can find out you can see that we I think we had like fifty five hundred dollars worth of rosters this week. And brought back eighteen hundred. So I mean, we got our asses kicked, and I blame myself hundred <laughs> percent. Although I wouldn't have had Mickelson, even if you can let me go back and do it over. Yeah, again. I don't think anyone would. One point seven percent ownership, Jackson. Yeah, um, crazy. But uh, in the million dollar winner had a total of thirty percent ownership amongst his uh, six players, and Ustazen was responsible for a third of that because yeah. he was at like ten point two percent. That's crazy. Uh, had Kapka, Matsuyama. Obviously, Mickelson, trying to think of who the other two were, but they were both single-digit and small. Oh, Justin Rose, yeah, which I saw also, and for whatever reason, still didn't still didn't play, um, and I can't remember the other one. Oh, M. M we were on. I was all over M. M yeah. I couldn't believe M was only going to be on by 5%. Couldn't believe it. I'm like, oh, my God. We got... So for whatever reason, the M thing clicked in, the Rose thing didn't. I'm like, but I was thinking M had, had two blow-up holes, I mm-hmm. uh, had one at the Masters and one I thought at uh, maybe it was the Byron Nelson or something like that. And yeah. that was going to lower his ownership. So we were all over Fitzpatrick. That's who I, I had Fitzpatrick on almost 40% of the roster. So if he didn't make the cut, we would have been absolutely doomed. Anyway, digressing. Point is this. If I were to win a million dollars, or even if I won a quarter of a million dollars, of which I'm getting 10%, by the way. So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden we're a publicly traded company. But just for the record, that's the way that it works. Um, I, I know what would happen. What do you think would happen if that were to happen, Jackson? I'll let you play it out. See if see if we're on the same page because you hit the white Range Rover on the head when I put <laughs> put you to the test on that one. Oh, it would probably uh, there would be a screenshot both on the fan page and it would be the first thing in the text inbox when we got there. Oh wow, you're really you're going deeper than I was going to. Okay, but what what would happen? What would happen? Well, you know, a lot of people would hate it. They yeah, maybe publicly they'd like it, but internally, it fucking. Uh, probably, belief. probably be a but post on the fan page that says, is Tim still going to do the show or something like that? Okay, that's good, but I'm taking it even a further step. I, I, maybe you can't get there yet. Maybe this time, I think this time, because I think you're going to be with me for a while. Uh-huh. So this time will probably come for you. Um, here's what will happen. I would get asked for money. Oh, okay. 
absolutely get asked for money. And it wouldn't be like, hey, like a joke, hey, Tim, can you hook me up with like a grand? It would be, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't go that way. It would be, I don't want to call it a sob story because it would probably be serious. I don't think it'd be like a scam, Mm -hmm. but it would be, and I don't think it'd be one. I think it'd be, I don't know. It would certainly be multiple because I've kind of not, not like that happens regularly by any means, but I've gotten a little, little taste of it. And, you know, yeah. people with actual real money, um, you know, the stuff, if somebody can, like, get a hold of the contact information, like how they get hit up. Yeah. And then, you know, me, me winning, listen, if we win a million and I just all of a sudden had 100K minus uh-huh. taxes, so, you know, whatever, 65, just all of a sudden windfall, um, you know, that would be lovely. Yeah. But am I going to stop working because I made $65,000? No. I mean, I think that's obvious. And also, does that now put me in a position to just like start bankrolling people's medical expenses? No, it doesn't. No. But that's what that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not like it's the end of the world. The trade-off, yeah. you know, it's pretty any, good. It's yeah, it's it's the, you know, it's it's not a uh, it's not a real difficult one, but I know that 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 would happen. Yeah. Investment um, ideas people would come to you with there. Yeah, I'd get that. That'd be it. That that actually might be more than the sob story. Yeah. Can you can you send me a? Yeah, I got this idea know. for this business. Can you help me fund it? Yeah, yeah. I, I've I've been hit up on those even within the last I feel like month or two. Mm-hmm. We get together and talk about I have an idea. I'm just like, what in the fuck makes you think? You know, and I know it. Might, it probably comes off the wrong way. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'm just going to be honest. Why the fuck would I just like? Uh, meet with somebody I don't know and you want me to like give you money and on top of what makes you think I have a bunch of it yeah you're like not Mark Cuban like you're not just... here yeah <laughs> I mean I don't have a VC going here yeah. you know uh-huh. I mean uh, so uh, yeah why don't you send me I'll sign an NDA and I'll have you know people way more intelligent take a look at it and give me yeah. their thoughts but I'm not gonna get together so you can I mean, you know it's like a <laughs> friend of mine yeah, you know, and I and I hope this isn't. I mean, I guess I don't really give a shit how it's coming off because it's the truth. I can't imagine like anybody listening to this would go, yeah, that'd kind of be fucking weird if I got hit up. But I mean, it's you know, and my wife. This kind of happened over the weekend, actually, mm-hmm. a couple of different things. Not not hey, can you send me money? But like favor type stuff. And she goes, "You just got to stop responding to these things." And I go, "I can't." Yeah. Not because I'm not capable, but because it's almost like being a politician. Mm-hmm. It's like you gotta you gotta kind of do this dance, yeah. And it's a weird. But I have no idea. Like Doug doesn't deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't begin to tell you. It's not. It's. I'm not envious of Doug uh-huh. because he doesn't deal with it. I'm envious because he doesn't fucking care, and he might deal with it. And he so doesn't care. That's what I'm envious of. Yeah. That's what I'm envious of. That's what I'm envious of. Mm-hmm. I'm like. You know, I'll be sitting at dinner and, you know, somebody busts out this, you know, I mean, and like, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta respond. And Henry's like, why, why are you even responding to that? Like, cause I'm like, here, I want you to see so you can see what it is that I get. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, yeah, I know you get weird stuff, but like, (laughs) you don't need to respond. Like (laughs) that, that, that's the weird part is that you respond to it all. Like who gives a shit? Yeah. But I'm like, that's, but I've been doing this since like the late nineties. And you mentioned Mark Cuban. Ironically, Mark Cuban is the one who I heard him doing an interview or I read an interview with him and he said, I get an email. I respond to every email I get. Yeah. And I do. So anyway, to answer the question from uh, Adam, 
How would I handle it? Um, I would probably talk about it on the podcast, but I wouldn't talk about it from the money situation, just mm-hmm. like I didn't really talk about this, you know, the last couple that we hit nicely. I mean, you know, again, relatively speaking, um, but more the strategy of it. Because that's the stuff that yeah, that's more interesting. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, okay. So I, I mean, like, so I mean, if we want fifteen, I I think it was fifteen thousand. It was thirteen thousand, fifteen thousand. Unless it's an, it's a lovely amount of money. I'm not complaining, but I get thirteen hundred of it. I mean, what am I going to break down on that? You know, here's what I'm going to do with my thirteen hundred dollars. I'm not doing shit with it. We kept it in the account. We just went through four thousand this weekend. So you can understand why we kept it in the account. We all know what's going to (laughs) happen. So there's no reason to do a distribution when we know there's going to be a a cash call a month later. So let's just keep it in, boys, and save ourselves the trouble. As much as I enjoy my Southwest Rapid Rewards points, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let's just keep it in and save the save the fucking headaches. No doubt. Um, So yeah, that's that's. That's the that's how that's how I because I've handled it I have had I have now I haven't had a 50k score I, I legitimately think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. By the way, I talked a little bit about this on TMA, and since there clearly is apparently an interest in this, and again I don't think it's necessarily from the golf side. I think so much as like people are becoming. I don't know what happened, Jackson, because mm-hmm. I th- I, I, I'm not a barstool guy, mm-hmm. but and you're not really either, or are you? Not, I don't listen to a lot of their stuff. I mean, I guess I keep up with it because I follow them on Twitter. But there is a, Timmy Recaps brings this up, and I think I think he might have this in an email or a recent email. Or it was no, it was one of the emails uh, 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 here recently. Like how he is fascinated by whatever I get into, the audience gets into. Like mm-hmm. years ago, it was poker. Now it's golf, uh-huh. and he just finds it to be hilarious because it's so. He, in his mind, it's so obvious what's going on. Now I don't see it that way, but I guess when you present it that way, that's the case. Mm-hmm. I just think people, more people, have gotten into golf, and I certainly yeah, think the pandemic definitely. played a role in that. Yeah, I just I don't think people are like, oh, Tim is a guy I listen to, and he likes golf, so I will play golf. Maybe that's going on. I don't know. Um, but if you want to, if you want to apply kind of that property. I have noticed people who really in the whole scheme of things have no business getting really active in the market. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, you know where I'm going. Yeah, a bunch of people are losing their ass because Dave Portnoy okay. sells some trades. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. I'm sure when there are guys, and you know, I was texting with the wizard over the weekend, and I'll get into why we were talking about this. Um I just told them, you know, and I love I love our discussions, even though I think most human beings would be bored out of their fucking minds by it mm. um, when we're talking about strategy. And we never talk about our rosters beforehand because that would be, be violating the yeah. deal. So you, and I'm talking about not our deal. I'm talking about the DraftKings deal or FanDuel mm-hmm. or anything else like that. So after the, the tournament start, then I'll say, all right, who are you in on? And usually I already know who he's in on because I know what the projected ownership is. Um, but anyway... Um, he goes, yeah, I, I was telling him yesterday morning we were texting, and he actually had a roster that was in the top 30 in the Millionaire Maker, and he had a road to get there uh, to win the million, as seems like every fucking time there's a chance to win a million, he's got a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, and he I go, God, I said, I just got, I said, I got to really look at what the hell I did wrong this week, because, yeah, we've got, we could wind up winning. We legitimately could wind up winning a lot of money, but as opposed to previous weeks where we had a bunch of rosters that could get us there this week. It's like, I have four and it's just, it was a fucking disaster. And I got to really look at it and figure out what the hell I did wrong. And he goes, I'm telling you, he goes, I know this might sound a little weird. 
He goes, but because of the crypto crash of early last week, a lot, and, and usually that is some of the, the sharpest minds mathematically are in yeah. that, and DFS is a mathematical game. It's not a golf or sports game, and if you think it is, then you're probably you know negative ROI joining <laughs> the Tam Avenue Capital Partners. Mm-hmm. It's a math game, yeah. and those guys pulled their money out, and there was a major this week with a chance to win a million. He goes, I bet it is in particularly sharp this week, and by that like mathematically sharp. Mm-hmm. So in other words, who is the highest owned player? I think Victor Hovland was the highest owned player. If he would have won and if who was second, Daniel Berger finished, you know, in the winning roster at Daniel Berger, then it probably would have been a, you know, mm-hmm. you know, like a guy who enters like three rosters could have won the million. Yeah. But the way this thing played out with a combined ownership of 30% I believe that's what the math is. Uh, I, my guess is, now I don't know this, but my guess is the guy who won the million, he didn't need it. That's my guess. Mm. Now, I don't know that. I'm not saying that's a lock, and maybe somebody can will pull up that it was like a 21-year-old you know, frat guy who won it, and you know, he entered two rosters and he won. But that would be my guess. That would be my guess because the you had to be you had to be a game theory festival to yeah. win when you have a leaderboard of Mickelson 1.7%, Kepka 3.5%, M 5%, Rose I think he was I don't know 3 to 5%. Who else was in there? Um Ustazen was 10%. That wasn't necessarily crazy sharp, but yeah. that was the mo- highest owned one. I don't know who I'm missing. Matsuyama. Po- Matsuyama 5.3. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. So that that's what I'm saying, which is the kind of the thing that I go into on this stuff that that's, you know, but it's it's just, it's so into the weeds. I It's like when Derek Gould is on our show, what happens in the text inbox? He hasn't been on that much since you've been with oh, us. Oh, yeah. He, uh, okay. Oh, you you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no doubt. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. Why mm-hmm. does he talk down? And that's what I'm like trying not to do, except there, this really isn't like a smartest guy. in the. This is the way you win. This isn't like a this isn't like an opinion piece. <laughs> this is this is the way that you yeah. win. It's concrete. I, I don't win. <laughs> I, I have won, but overall I lose. Mm-hmm. And um and, and, and so that's what the wizard was saying. So then I go, okay, so then so then so the, we really had a good conversation about it. Um at least I thought it was for him. I'm sure it was like something he was like, Okay, I'll answer this moron's questions. <laughs> but uh I go, Okay, so why does that why does the crypto crash mean that it was sharper this week and he goes well it's a it's a math game and these guys have you know and i'm going to now talk in a language that is you know going to expose my fishness these guys you know have the best optimizers uh-huh. um build out the the most you know the sharpest rosters and i go okay what does that mean you know everything just was like what does that mean he goes okay well when you played poker you knew or had an idea a range is what we call that a range of hands your opponent was on and you Mm -hmm. could trace back the action of the hand to put him on a range of hands Mm -hmm. and so what the great dfs players do the the math wizards who who couldn't tell jordan spieth from dustin johnson if you lined them up next to each other Mm -hmm. um they are able to build out the rosters that the fish will build out and to make sure that they don't duplicate those and to stay away from those and that is how they are. He goes, five to six percent of DFS players are lifetime winning players. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I am, 
but I'm on the low end of that that winning, you know, that five to six percent. I'm on the low end of it, and here's a guy who's you know done very well for himself, which means ninety five percent lose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, but it's just like it's like gamblers. Mm-hmm. You know, how many? How often you hear about a gambler losing? You know, it's like a no. like a social media post. The gambler posts the ticket right after the game wins. Where was the post before the game started? It's just it's ABC shit. Yeah. Um. So that's the way that the game is is played. It has nothing to do with the sport. It has to do with the math, and that's not really up for debate. But it's so counterintuitive. Because the, the the math guys make the money off the sports guys, yeah, and most of the people I'm talking to are the sports guys, and then it's like, oh, you are in Florida, and your contract was this, and now you are now telling us that we aren't playing the right way. Fuck you! Mm-hmm. And it's like I'm now just only hurting my cause even more by going into it. Plus, I realize that when it gets down to it, I, I mean, how what percent of the audience? At least I thought what percent of the audience is interested in it. it turns out more than I thought. It's just so in the weeds. So I leave it on the podcast for the most part so people bored by it, they can skip past it. But what fascinates me about it is it really is, from a macro perspective, a great life lesson yeah. in the sense that, you know, like, like when you hear Iggy giving his roster, and I'm not trying to pick on Iggy because I lose way more than Iggy. I, mm-hmm. I, I, like he, I'm not even like because of the, 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 the dollars that are that are in it. It's not that. I think even like straight up, if you're just talking about winning versus losing. Mm-hmm. But like how he comes up with his roster is exactly what the guys who are the math yeah. guys are. You know what I mean? And it's not. Yeah. And again, it's not a shot at him. Like the fact that I was on Sam Burns this week was a fish play. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with him getting hurt as being a bad luck. It was a bad play. It was yeah. a bad play. Being on Daniel Berger this week was a bad play. Why were people on Daniel Berger? He's relatively cheap, and he had a great Sunday at the Byron Nelson where I might have been able to shoot in the 70s. You know, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was, and, and, you, and you know that going in. Why was I on Matthew Fitzpatrick? Because he had a bad weekend at the Byron Nelson. It was so bad he didn't make the cut, yeah. but yet he's one of the best golfers in the world, and it's going to be a windy situation. He's a good win player, and he's got win equity at like 8300 for his price point, and I know he's going to be owned by a smaller amount because he had a bad weekend because people are prisoners of the moment. And that's, to me, the way to do business. Yep. <laughs> but it's so fucking... It's like, like I always say, it's at the end of the great John Singleton film, Higher Learning, right at the end, they type out unlearn. I'm like, you got to unlearn. Mm-hmm. If you really want to, if you really want to, you know, really want to try to enjoy it all, you got to unlearn. You got to color outside the lines. But people who are coloring inside the lines don't want to hear from somebody how to color outside the lines. Yep. You know? Yeah. It's a tough, tough battle. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, if Iggy started talking about coloring outside the lines, I think it'd be more, it would be received better. Yeah. But it's coming from me, and I'm the bad guy, and so yeah. I don't want to, it's, it, but I'm telling people the truth. No <laughs> doubt. telling you how to win. <laughs> and it just played out this past weekend. Yeah. The thing is, is that at the Masters, you had, I think, three of the highest-owned players on the roster that won the million. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure somebody could go, well, how do you explain that? Just like I would explain this. If I put it in with Ace King and you call me with King Jack, my old King Jack reference, you're going to win some of the time. Yeah. Mathematically, you will win some of the time. Off the top of my head, I've lost what the math is, but it's not as great as you would think, Ace King versus King Jack. You know, King Jack, I think, is probably in the 18 to 24% range of winning 
you know, if yeah. the, there's a there's a pre-flop all in a call. So that's how I explain it. It can happen. These aren't absolutes, but 84% of the time or 82% of the time, your ace king's going to win. So get it in with the fucking ace king and let the guy with king jack go, see, I did the right thing. You don't want to tell him he did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You want him to keep doing that because yeah. he's going to do it again and you're going to win. And you're exactly. going to win more often than not. So that's why, because I know I had another question here. Where is it? Uh, DFS. Uh, I, for one, appreciate all of the DFS discussion on QFTA and TMA. I participate in the daily grind of M- NBA, MLB, and sometimes PGA so that I can stay in tune with the comings and goings on the tour. You have mentioned multiple times that you don't openly discuss strategy, ownership, etc., so that you can maintain an edge. Do you genuinely feel that enough folks who both listen to QFTA and play DFS would hinder your ability to maintain that edge and run into a big cash? Even if some listeners utilize your homework, I can't see a scenario that it would be a large enough sample to negatively hinder the Tam Avenue Capital Partners ROI. I doubt most listeners are playing the volume, 150 lineups in GPP. Uh, I think we went with like 114 this week. Mm-hmm. Or the larger dollar single entry contest to make that big of an impact. Hope to see more sods on QFTA in the books in the near future. I'll hang up and listen. That comes from Todd. It's a, fa- it's a very fair question. I like the question. My answer is he's probably right, but I don't see any point in I'm risking it. Yeah, Unless exactly. here, here's, here's how I risk it. If DraftKings or FanDuel or I don't even know who goes, hey, we want to sponsor the podcast for an amount of money that it's worth it to me. Yeah. That's how. That's mm-hmm. the business of it. Might sound very fucking, you know, whatever, but that's that's the reality. For sure. Um, and then it's like, okay, it's worth it, and I'll, you know, I I know that I got to differentiate, you know, by playing, you know, like Iggy this week. We talked about Charles Schwartzel, and he goes, and I said, oh, chalk, cheap chalk, and he goes, eight nine percent's cheap chalk, and I go, yes, because he's owned by, you know, he's only sixty seven hundred. He's cheap, and that means a lot of people will be on him. So. Now you got a player who might not necessarily be as great as his recent results, and then 10% of the field that you'll be sharing them with him, and that's that's a risky move. No but doubt. Corey Connors was cheap chalk at Augusta, and it wound up working out big time. It worked out for somebody to the tune of a million dollars. So it's it's just one of those things. I would love I'd love to do it because I'd love to go. I'd love to hear the thought processes. I mean, this is how boring for for most people it is, but I love to hear the thought processes on it because I know the wizard was on Rory McIlroy. But as the week progressed, his projected ownership kept dropping and dropping and dropping. I bet mm-hmm. at the beginning of the week, he wouldn't have been. He was the favorite to win the tournament. Yeah, highest priced player. Right. But he wound, I think I think he wound up being in around the 10 to 11% range, and his ownership kept dropping. All the big guys, all the, all the 10,000 guys, I think, yeah. were relatively low-owned. I still have it up on my... Uh, let's see. Hovland wasn't a 10K. Berger wasn't. Spieth was. I knew Spieth would be high. Xander was high, and probably because he was 9,600. Abraham answer I didn't have any of, and that was because of the projected ownership. Corey Connors, as always, Rom was nineteen percent. Uh, Rom was high, but not as high as you would think. He was twelve point three two percent. So, I mean, the, the point on this whole thing is there. You can you can open up DraftKings the the moment a tournament starts and know what rosters are dead even before a guy hits a shot uh-huh. by looking at the ownership percentage. Which I'm, I might be saying something that people are like no way there's there's no way that's true, but I'm just I, I guess theoretically it could happen or you'll you'll be like well my roster's not dead but you're gonna like ten other people have the roster mm-hmm. and so okay you're chopping up the million and listen I'm sure we all enjoy chopping up a hundred grand but the premise is you want 
the most leverage, and so you have to differentiate. And it's, you know, me, especially as a losing player, talking about it, am I really going to impact things? No, but why would I fuck with it? Like, what mm-hmm. do I get out of it? Yeah. That's, that's, that's why I wouldn't fuck with it. So, you know, and, and, and here's the other thing. It's like talking about, what did I talk about? I made a prediction, and I think I won on it. I happened. Oh, just a dumb thing. Like, we were enamored with the fact that the... I don't even know if they're still playing. I feel like the Flames and Canucks just kept playing games. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. though the playoffs had started. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I think they're just kind of like, they got to play these regular season games even though the playoffs have started. So I saw their first game. It was a high-scoring game. They're playing at like 3 this afternoon in Canada. So it might be like 1 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. Yeah. These motherfuckers aren't going to play any defense. No. It's going to go over. And I'm like, I don't want to even do it because I know what happens when it doesn't go over. Then I catch a bunch of shit. And on top of the fact that I've lost money, which will irritate me, uh, now I'm going to have to deal with like assholes mad at me that this random thing I made an observation about when I couldn't name a player outside of, you know, Matthew Kachuk on either roster, uh, you know, didn't hit. So, so again, it, it, it doesn't be, it's not about, oh, it might hurt my winnings. You know, I threw whatever on it that I threw on it. It becomes the, the negativity yeah. of dealing with people angry about it. So if I would have said this week, I love Matthew Fitzpatrick, I realize maybe a hundred people I'm talking to or even a thousand people I'm talking to will now play him mm-hmm. because of me talking about him. How much does that really impact things when we're talking about 200,000 rosters in the game? But it's not just that. It's then it, then he doesn't hit, and I've got him on 40% of rosters or something like that. Now I'm tilted that the 40% of rosters are dead, and now I've got assholes like, you know, ang- not just like making fun of me, which is a standard thing, mm-hmm. but like angry about it. Yeah. What do I, what, so why would I do it? What, what do I get? And no, what do I'm I get sorry. if Matthew Fitzpatrick wins? Like some guy go, man, Tim fucking nailed it. Oh, you're a lemming. So that, there's no win. Yeah. So I don't say anything. Don't That's spend time on something that has no upside. Action Jackson, I'm watching it all happen for you. You're Luke Skywalker. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm passing it along to you before I'm vanquished. Um, hey, uh, I got to talk about uh, the great Jim Rogers of Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. Uh, when my uh, basement was an absolute disaster with water in there, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com is who we call. Jim Rogers was over quick, fast, in a hurry. 314 565 1962. Or. Go online at restoration one of com. Any time you don't want mold in your home, and if mold starts growing behind your wall, you got all hell about to break loose. A dishwasher leaking can lead to that. Uh, obviously, heavy rains. And Jim is such a good guy, loyal listener, big time fan of the show, and just a great guy. 314 565 1962. It's restoration one of com. Another great guy, a guy I'm actually talking to here. Uh, uh, is uh, and I know you're talking to mm-hmm. as well, and that is take a look. Mark Hanna of Greenwell Strategies. I just I'm letting you do this now, Jackson. Yeah, because I know you're I working with it. him. You go firsthand, even though I'm talking with Mark as well. No doubt, he's. Uh, we had a great little conversation on uh, Thursday. Talked about you know the best thing that Mark does is I've told him like I'm I'm so lost when it comes to the, you know it's it's almost like intimidating when I see things, but Mark breaks it down when talking about finances and the way we save money and he educates me. And that is so huge to me because if I have an understanding about things, it becomes less scary. I become more inclined to get involved with such things. So when something as important as money, you want someone who's on your side, who's a great human and is willing to teach you 
the things you may not know or, you know, you want to know more about. And that's what Mark does. I couldn't be happier working with him. I look forward every time I talk to him because not I, only... I feel the same way. I know not, exactly what you're saying. Yeah, because not only will he help me out with my money, but I just like talking to him because he's like a breath of fresh air. His energy is awesome. Like, I really, really, really enjoy yeah. talking to him. I, I, I don't know when he's ever down. Yeah, exactly. I'm jealous of that. I'm jealous of Doug not giving a shit about anything, and I'm jealous of Mark Hanna. His energy is so positive. It's kind of like I look at my son, though, so I'm happy. It's like, if you give me the trade-off... Am I going to be happy or is my son going to be? I'll take it. And any parent knows exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Sure. I just go, how the fuck's this guy so happy when he came from me? But whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know exactly what you're saying. Mark is the best. He really is. And so many people who have done what you have done and what I have done and talked with him, Jackson, feel mm-hmm. the same way. Evergreenstl.com or go online. Oh, excuse me. Go online at evergreenstl.com or give him a call. And you will be thrilled that you did. Mark Han, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, 314 889 Zero three and Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. I'm a client. Jackson's parents are clients. Doug Vaughn's a client as well. Now the hot weather is here. Kind of took its time, but it's here. Call Design Air if you need emergency service or a new train system. The 2021 train special is the same one that Design Air put in my home. It's a variable speed furnace um, with a 16-seer air conditioning. It is incredible it means the world and i got to tell you something uh there is a big difference between what i have um here in florida versus what i have in st louis and Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's noticeable in a major way i have like a fan spinning above me at full speed when i'm sleeping here um just a different deal Mm -hmm. it's just a different deal um but it's because this is an older air conditioning unit this house and that's just the way that it is but uh, Seth is the best, that customer service. I mean, it's so easy to do these endorsements for the podcast sponsors because I know every one of them, and I'm a client, and I know them, and I talk with them, and I do business. So it's so easy. It's it's real simple. If you have an emergency air conditioning situation, design air heating, cooling, designairservice.com, uh, period. All right, I've, I'm going to go with one more, and it's going to come from the fan page, which means I didn't get to all of my emails, but I wanted to, uh, let's see, I posted, did you see the post I made, uh, Jackson, on the fan page? Yes, yeah, old Tom Morris. Old Tom Morris is in there, probably not the biggest highlight, at least from my standpoint. Um, but uh, what was I see one of them disappeared. His Facebook removed one of them. Iggy and Stevie Nicks is still there. Old Tom Morris. Oh, the picture of like the guys, like the radio guys, like oh. getting each other. Oh. Has that been who removed? Was that? <laughs> yeah, who was that? I don't know. I don't even know how I found it. <laughs> I thought that was like. <laughs> I'm like, it's so stereotypical oh, yeah, tough of guy. like nerdy morning radio. Oh, my God. I still see it. I still see it. Oh, you do? Okay. For some reason, it's disappeared from mine. <laughs> yeah. And then the three models, Kenzie Ann. The one of the... Who's your favorite of the three? Let's see if we have the same kind of taste. Far right. Far right. That's interesting. Uh, I went looking for Kenzie Ann because I knew she is kind of new to the game, but the one in the middle uh, is the one that actually tickles my fancy the most. And I'm usually not... That's not usually my look, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of her work, and her name is Summer Soderstrom. Soderstrom, nurse. The one you like is Lily Andrews. Um, Here is the question. It's a Timmy Recaps question. I'm a big fan of Timmy Recaps questions. With the benefit of hindsight, age, and a much different lifestyle, I'm interested in your regrets using TMA as the backdrop. Uh, Are there any iterations of the show that you think was, were a mistake? Are there any business decisions that you think were mishandled by you or the show itself? Do you have any serious regrets giving Timberfake somewhat of a platform? Any regrets or massive missed opportunities? This isn't meant to be an insulting topic, so I hope it doesn't come across as such. It's a great question. Um, let me go 
uh, question by question. Are there any iterations of the show that you think was or were a mistake? On that, no. Um, because a mistake to me is, a, is, is something that I would have control over and you know, made a decision and you go, and it's just, it, we just, I mean, we've been incredibly fortunate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, but see, I, fortunate, you know, fortunate makes it sound like we lucked into it. Not, I mean, really this hasn't been luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show isn't particularly hard work, but the show after and before and keeping it together and going through the things to get it back together and, you know, putting my ass on the line with a personal guarantee for a radio station in 2013, that's work. That's 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 mm-hmm. you know that's uh, a life gamble, and mm-hmm. so I don't I, I none on that. And that's a real answer. Um, are there any business decisions that you think were mishandled by you or the show itself? Um, Jackson, feel free. By the way, as a loyal listener, at least to the last seven years, you're welcome to throw anything in. I don't give a shit because if anything, no. I want to give a good answer. Yeah, um, that would stand out. Business decision-wise on the show, um, I, I i mean, I, one that almost happened, had they let me done it, was, but I didn't, and it just shows like naivete. Mm-hmm. I had a contract that still had almost two years left on it, mm-hmm. at a nice amount of money mm-hmm. in 2007. You know, it was the same contract that had allowed me to leave TV. Mm-hmm. Um in 2005 and I walked in and I was so the, the, the true answer is I depressed um, with the state of the show this thing that I loved so much had just blown up within six months mm-hmm. and I walked into the general manager's office I mean I didn't walk in that makes it sound like I just walked in like mm-hmm. hey motherfucker I'm here I, I think we set up a meeting yeah and I said I would like to just be let out of my contract Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't have anything else to go to. Now, it's not to say I wouldn't have been able to do anything else. I had nothing else to go to. I just, it, it, I, I couldn't handle it. And looking back on that, that was so dumb. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know that's probably not the answer that Timmy Recaps is looking for, but that's one that, that I look back, and then they didn't let me do it. Um, and maybe it's because, we're, I don't know, we're going to work something out, I guess. Um, but that was... That that's just dumb. That's, mm-hmm. There's no other way to describe it. That's just dumb. But as Anna Marie and I have said, when talking about like really kind of like how this show has lasted as long as it has, so much of it is because we didn't have a kid at the quote unquote proper age, mm. my proper age. Mm-hmm. Had we had a child in 2013, I would tell you this: the morning after would have ended in 2013 mm-hmm. when the man and woman thing would have come because I wouldn't have taken the chance that I did. Mm-hmm. I would have been better informed to not personally, personally personally guarantee what i personally guaranteed in 2013 to start up a new radio station there wasn't anybody else on it it was 100 percent me and there was such a lack of an un- a lack of understanding on what a personal guarantee meant mm-hmm. uh which is embarrassing because it's not like i was you know 18 it's in my 30s mm-hmm. um and the risk i was taking on but in my mind i'm like it's gonna work mm-hmm. you know we'd run the numbers it wasn't just a it wasn't a point blank yeah. thing um, but, but the, 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 the juice was not worth the squeeze, mm-hmm. but yet I did it. But my, because in my mind, uh, I'm sorry, I'm responding to a call that I have scheduled, uh, here at this moment and the person's calling me, but I want to give a good answer and then we'll wrap her up. Um, 
that that was that was that was I guess that's also a bad business decision. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't have made it had we had even just one child. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of TMA being able to continue along even when things went awry were my flexibility because we didn't have children. That's mm-hmm. just, I mean, and that might really sound weird. I think it. I hopefully it. Hopefully it's resonating with people. But I would understand if you don't have kids how that might not necessarily because you just don't you don't feel as you go. Oh, I can do this, but I got a responsibility to my son or my daughter or my sons or my daughters, whatever the case might be. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. Yeah, I got an obligation to make as much as possible. Um, and this is sitting on the table, and so I'm not going to do it. For sure. Uh, I think in a way, there's still, I think for some of the audience, like right now, they're still waiting for me to like save the day again, I think, yeah. uh, so to speak. And, uh, you know, and it's just like, well, you know, there's other, pe- there's other people who exist who can, quote unquote, save the day. Why is it always on me? Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think of that in 2007. I go, what the fuck was I doing? Like, but one thing, like, it let me out and I'll sit out for like a month or two. I have something else. But I didn't at the time when I went in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Um, Timber fake. Yeah. Do I have any serious regrets? I don't, I don't know. Like, that's another thing. It's kind of one of those things. Like, I don't know why that is a me thing. Yeah. Like. So you see where I'm coming from on that? Yeah, I don't know why. Like, I mean, Doug and the the cat. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, that's that's the deal with the show, Mm -hmm. that it's like a me thing, but then if people love the show, it's not a me thing. Yeah, exactly. Even though it's been on for 17 years, and there's been one person who's been on for 17 years, but I can't say that, because then it kind of sounds like the truth. (laughs) Yeah, but <laughs> that's the hell of it, but you know, sorry to fucking blow it for everybody, but hey, guess what? There's been one constant. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, the Timberfake thing is a show thing. Just like I always would talk about the success of the show as a show thing, yeah. And it is a show thing because, for my money, um, you know, the, there are people who have been. Even though I have been the constant, there have been people both on air and off air who are way. I'm not talking about more talented. I'm talking about way more talented i would sit in awe or i do sit in awe of the mind of martin kilcoin and doug vaughn and their ability to go so quickly with things yeah or the cats show not even the show tune so much as like random yeah. ability to like insert like i don't even like, adrian's don't know, med a, adrian's a med you know or yeah. you know pete prinzy who's a guy who i hang out with down here <laughs> who's the cardinal string thing, and then stayed deadpan yeah. i can't do that i'm jimmy fallon i break character mm-hmm. you know yeah. uh and i look at jimmy fallon hosting that show and i go fuck a lot of people could do that so i kind of look at yeah. you know kind of like you know not everybody can do what martin can do not everybody can do what doug can do not everybody can do what the cat can do the producers the character i mean iggy is the greatest radio personality ever yeah no ever doubt. For real, yep. ever. He's the perfect radio. I mean, is. he is absolutely the greatest radio personality ever. So that's not the question, though. You know, and the producers, we, I mean, producer Joe is a great personality. Jackson, you already have a, a legion of people who love you and hate you. It's wonderful. Yep, even perfect. though it wasn't my, I didn't even see that coming. I'm just like, this fucking a kid is what <laughs> I would have to call you at 22 uh-huh. when you were hired. Yeah. I'm like, we, th- we've just got a great person here. I don't know how anybody's really going to feel strongly about him just because <laughs> he's just kind of rock solid, kind of like a Seymour thing. Seymour uh-huh. didn't have hater, haters at all because yeah. he was rock solid. Mm-hmm. But then you gave your NBA over the blues <laughs> thing, and then it all, all of a sudden yeah. we got, I was, we I get, was born. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the timber fake thing, 
I mean, he was a caller. So, like, we gave Rudy, yeah. you know, like, it, what if Rudy would have died of alcoholism? And it's like, oh, you guys, you know, encouraged that, uh, you know? Um, yeah. And I would go, I don't think we really did. He was already, you know, drunk. Yeah. Um, or um, who who else has come and gone over the course of Mickey Carroll? I guess something was going on with his allegedly, this has been alleged, that the woman who would bring Mickey Carroll in, I believe, has been sued by his estate mm. for... Uh, again, this is allegedly there's something going on with with his money, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know whatever wound up happening with it. But she was the one who would bring him in, and we would have her on the air, and we would talk. You know, I mean, yeah, certainly with like if somebody would have said, yeah, you know, there's a question as to whether or not the timber fake thing. Um, you know, the the, the timber fake thing. Here's here's kind of the timber like the timber fake thing. Like I don't go, oh my god, I can't believe that we did that. You know, the timber fake thing ended when I'm like, okay, you have an understanding here with this situation. Mm-hmm. This is a charity thing. This isn't about you. This is about Ryan Kelly. This was Ryan Kelly's idea. Does Ryan Kelly have any accountability? In it? No. Um, you know, we, it was we didn't make a dollar on that. Mm-hmm. Period. I'm not. Ta- I'm talking about not a dollar, and I am fine with that. By the way, mm-hmm. that is something that if you are lucky enough to get to a point where you have an audience. This isn't even this isn't even a money thing. An audience, mm-hmm. and you can help people because you have this loyal audience, which is the situation we are now in, and we have been in here for a few years. And mm-hmm. I, cause I don't even the show's been on for seventeen years, but the level of the interest in the show is is you know I don't know in the I think I, I consider more eight years than seventeen. Mm-hmm. Twenty thirteen when we started our own station is when we really kind of went into a new yeah. world. Um, and uh, I, I, I do it. I do that part over again. The issue with the timber fake thing was, you know, if the, to to be running around and 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 talking about, you know, I don't know, because I, I guess it was a show I wasn't even on that he was going to give his money to the charity and then he didn't, and then I got blamed for the thing, and I'm just like, okay, I got to stop doing things where there's downside. Yeah. That that even though I'm doing something which I want to do, like when we raised the money for Larry Nickel, which mm-hmm. was one of my favorite moments in the 17-year history of the show, raising 60 some thousand dollars for Larry Nickel. Holy shit. Yeah. And that's an audience thing, man. Mm-hmm. That shows the greatness of the audience. Um, I don't think there are too many other shows in the country, actually. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know there are. I'm certain there's probably like 100, but there certainly aren't many in St. Louis, um, maybe a couple, that could do that. And that's a tip of the cap to the audience. So, uh, you know, it's the same, the, the, the timber fake thing, it just became, it was just downside and limited upside. And so, as Jackson, I think you said when I said the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker thing, mm-hmm. just one of those things. It's like, okay, I'm not going to waste time on things that doesn't don't have upside. Definitely. And here I am doing something you know, and at the time, I think that was 2017, the night of that fight. I think mm-hmm. I'm virtually certain of it. So at that time, I was still, I was kind of on my way. I had let Randy Markell, the owner of KFNS, know I, I'm I'm out on the quote unquote being president of the radio station. I, that yeah. this isn't this isn't something that is. My wife's pregnant was the biggest factor, but you know, uh, just it wasn't it wasn't something that was working. Uh, and I let him know, but you know, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm doing a show. I wasn't doing the podcast. I've been doing a show, quote unquote, running the radio station. And I believe I was heading down to our week of spring training coverage after that fight the next day. 
and it was a great night. The energy in that. Were you at that thing? My parents. My parents were oh at that thing. Oh, my God. I was in Florida. Wow, I was at, that's a big reveal. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You were, I was in you were ghosting. My parents, my parents were at that fight. The energy in there, for real, was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it was, oh, I can't believe I'm saying it, and like, I like, like I'm being serious, like 100% serious. Uh-huh. It was unbelievable real yeah and it was a great night mm-hmm. but then a bunch like there was bullshit with him coming out and then it's like what happens if he doesn't come out and i don't even remember what the fuck it was it was about like the wrong song playing sounds about right and then then like you know he's got a check and he wants to cash it and he's at a bar you know i mean and yeah. it's just it's like okay it becomes all this stuff and then then the audience is pissed off and then like the audience is pissed off at him but then they're pissed off at me and i'm going you know, and then Ryan and I wind up getting together going, okay, how can we make this bright? And so, like, then we just, like, take money out of our own accounts. And, we, it's, it's, yeah. and it's like, I made no, the company made nothing, much mm-hmm. less me individually. The company made nothing. And it's like, I, if I can't count on somebody, they're out. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It's Michael Corleone and Fredo. It's over. Yeah. You know, I don't make a big show of it. It's just like, okay, that's it. I, you know. Yeah, there, there are plenty of people. When I got married, my brother, my both my brothers were my best men. Mm-hmm. And one of my brother, my brother brothers, Kevin, at the best man's speech, <laughs> he goes, if Tim doesn't like you, and I actually was, I was very proud he said this, but it's actually an awful trait. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, if Tim doesn't like you, around him, you won't even exist to him to the point that you'll actually start to wonder if you do exist. <laughs> And it is the truth. It's just like, yeah. I, cause to, but it's not because it's like a mafia thing. Mm-hmm. It's not that at all. It's like, I, I see people like being fake. I feel like St. Louis has great fake shit going on. Like mm. people are like, oh, you're on the Atlantic side. They're, they're meaner. And I know what the code is there. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if you're hip to the code, Jackson. I have no idea. Um, the golf side's nicer. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what we're talking about here. Now I have a but, full idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like when you're about to give your reason for people not liking NBA in St. Louis yeah. at the end of the show last week, and I got you right before you went there. Yeah. So you have you have that going on, and, but in St. Louis, but real niceness is so. It's a lot of it's so so fucking phony. To me, I feel like that's like a worse crime. Like if I don't like you, I'm not going to go. Hey, how you doing? You know, because I don't fucking care. I don't really wish ill on you. I just don't want to be associated with you. Yeah. So then it's over. That's it. It's, we can't recover from what you did. It's over. I, I, I'm not looking to make it good because you can't make it good because now I know you have that in your DNA to do that, mm-hmm. and I'm not interested in being associated with you either personally or professionally, so that's it. It's over. And as soon as the moment comes where I no longer, if I have to, be associated with you, we're done. And I won't like make, I won't you know, like be attacking you on social media. I just, it'll just be done. That's, that's the way that I handle things. Mm-hmm. And I guess because that is, I, I suppose, rare that it makes it stand out. Um, so there really isn't any any like code about it. It's just real simple. He did some things that, from my standpoint, put me at risk and Ryan Kelly at risk that were not trustworthy for what was going on. And I don't want to. I don't want to put us at risk again. Um, so that's why we wouldn't do it again. You know. Now, if somebody else wants to do it, God bless them. That that's up to them. That's totally cool. But that was that's that's really kind of the history on that. Um, but he was calling in to the show, and it was amusing. And and some of the audience absolutely loved it, and some of the audience absolutely hated it. Like DraftKings Cal now, mm, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, I get it. Listen, when Timberfake would call in, it was like you know he had been up all night, so yeah. you know you're not like Strong he was hand. on a shift. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a different type of 
situation. But, um, yeah, I mean, I suppose there's some history if people are looking for some history on the, uh, the whole thing. I mean, it just kind of gets back to it's like, okay, if I'm putting myself out there, and at the time, the radio station out there, and Ryan Kelly, who's one of our, you know, most loyal and going back a decade sponsors, and then some things get blown up mm-hmm. that weren't supposed to happen, then you don't want to fuck with the risk. Mm-hmm. So that's really kind of what it comes down to. DraftKings Cal, while he might be loved by some and hated by others, don't really see a whole lot of risk with him. Mm-hmm. So really everything comes back to don't get in a war of words with a compulsive liar and don't engage uh, in anything that has uh, no upside. And those are that's really the theme of the podcast mm-hmm. uh, at, at all times anyway. Um, so hopefully, let's see, what else is in there? Uh, any regrets or massive missed opportunities? Um, I don't know. I, I really don't regret the New York thing. Mm-hmm. The, uh, massive missed opportunities. I wouldn't say massive. I saw an opportunity to do more with inside STL, but at the time I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So the difference, not the difference, a major difference for, Bar- now, Barstool was around, I think, a year before Inside STL. Mm-hmm. Outside of the person, is there somebody in there, Jackson, and you need to go? No. Way? I'm, kind of, I'm starting to pick up on the read like the studio is out. Oh, no, um, you're good. Okay, and then I'll wrap up after this. No, you're good. I had a full-time job uh-huh. that was paying me a decent amount of money. Mm-hmm. Not like crazy, but a decent amount of money. And I think Dave Portnoy, this was like his main, or he wasn't making a bunch of money at the time. And so this was his thing. And if Inside STL were my only source of income, I would imagine I would have done more with Inside STL and its inception mm-hmm. than I did. But instead, Inside STL was like a side project that I made money on, mm-hmm. but not like it was like a little complimentary salary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't like, you know, people go, well, you got to do it in other markets. So people were saying that in mm-hmm. 2005 and 2006. But I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to do it. So I suppose if there is a regret in that sense, what do you say to that? What do I say to myself in 2021? Well, then you find somebody who does. You know, mm-hmm. uh, back then it's like, oh, I want to do this. Let's get investors. And now what I say to myself in 2021, I'd go, oh, let's get, let's go get a loan. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to chop up the equity. The equity is worth more to me than than getting investors. So yeah, that kind that kind of mindset. But you know, I look at where I am. I think. Portnoy and I are both in the same mid forties range, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. I have I look at what he's doing, and I don't care if he's got a billion dollars, and I don't. I have zero interest in doing that. Yeah, it, it's not even like a sweat for me. I'm not saying he's wrong to be doing it. I don't really follow it all that closely outside of I know that it's been incredibly successful, mm-hmm. and I tip my cap. But I have zero interest in doing it because yeah. I think we talked about last week or two weeks ago. I am not out to make the absolute most money possible mm-hmm. it's just that's not how i'm wired i don't know why i i guess i'm not really like looking for something that is ridiculous to own um and so therefore i'm kind of like yeah what what do i get out of that i just wind up saving or investing more and you know whatever mm-hmm. i'm happy with what i have yeah, so i exactly. don't really i'm not like fuck i'm only making this i need to go go make you know they gotta go take over the war i just i don't care i want to spend time with my wife and my son and my family and my friends and play golf and not have much bullshit in my life if possible and that's it that's what i'm looking for mm-hmm. different mindset than a, than a decade ago 
But if I if I take myself back to 2005 when we started it, and uh, and I suppose I would have gone like now if this thing were starting now and I were in my 20s, I would have gone okay, we got something here. Let's do so, let's do more with it mm-hmm. and uh, bring in somebody who can do more. I think there is an understanding now. And for anybody else who's an entrepreneur and looking at doing something, the importance of a having people you trust and respect in your circle and not letting anybody you don't trust or don't respect in your circle. That's mm-hmm. almost even more important. And then also the ability to delegate. Yeah, um, definitely. Huge. Mm-hmm. So huge for something that you're starting and is your baby and you're going, oh my God, I'm going to let my baby go because this is the only way for my baby to grow. I'm going to have to let this person take care of this part of it. That's yeah. That's a tough big, part for a lot of people, I feel. Yeah, and it's it's something that I don't think I succeeded at, but at the same time, it wasn't the business model of InsideSTL.com, which is what it was really called there at the beginning, mm-hmm. I don't even know. I don't even know how we were making money in 2005, 2006, and then it, got, then it was basically we would have girl next door parties, but there was a website, mm-hmm. but people really weren't advertising on the website. They were spending money with us to get a girl next door party. That's what it was, mm-hmm. and that I came up with that idea. And that's great, but up until 2010, it had nothing to do with the radio show. We mm-hmm. didn't own the radio show then, so that's uh, you know. So I mean, certainly we could have done more with Inside STL, and but I mean at the same time, I know what the landscape was. I wasn't viewing Inside STL as like this big business, nor was I trying to. My business was doing the radio show. That mm-hmm. was my business, and I was making a nice living. Um, and so it's one of those things that if I weren't and that were all I had, I could see me like spending day and night like trying to grow it because that's how I was going to survive. And I think that is what Portnoy had. I know there's the story of him handing out the Barstool newspaper print edition yeah. at the Boston subway. Mm-hmm. But I don't, but as far as, you know, so that that's, that's a difference. And so in that sense, tip of the cap, I mean, he literally built it from nothing into what it is. Mm-hmm. So whether I, you know, access the content or not, you still have a respect for the, the business for sure. And then all that you did to, to take it from nothing to, to what it is. Um, yeah, but I don't, but I'm not sitting here going, God, I wish I would have done that at all. Mm-hmm. Cause I know what the circumstances were. I suppose that's why, why like when it comes to regrets, regrets like like the brooks kepka ownership thing like that was sitting right there (laughs) that bothers me Mm -hmm. you know that actually bothers me because that was a mistake yeah when you compartmentalize like on the surface somebody go oh my god um you know uh doing this the late night score what a fucking disaster i'm like yeah okay i get it but here's here's some of the background and then once i tell you the background you go oh i get why why you did that there were other parties involved and these other parties wanted to do it and then you had to kind of you know play along and then by doing that then you were able to get this accomplished it's one of those it's one of those things but i get on the outside looking in it's like well that was a fucking disaster and it lasted three weeks like yeah absolutely and i'm not interested in trying to explain it away and the whole scheme yeah. of things i don't really care but i get it um you know so there's a difference uh, between an oversight and the and a decision you make a decision that's one thing like you had you had context oversight you can get mad about because you just missed something right 100 percent. yeah and and then there's so often so i mean i don't know how many times i mean for these are the people who kind of you know the people closest to me not not like my wife or my parents but 
um, because I think they're exhausted by it all. <laughs> but um, like advisors. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many times, because Iggy jokes about his book. I don't know if he ever really would. In my book, it would be like like a thousand people would be really interested in it, and then everybody else just it would go nowhere. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how, like, my God, you got to write a book. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't believe it. But it is real. The stuff is real. Mm-hmm. And, and then the stuff that is real, and not only is it real, it's kind of, it's funny, but in a sad way. <laughs> a lot of it's funny in a sad way. A lot of it's funny in a way that people I don't think would even believe, mm-hmm. you know. But we're, you know, but th- then you get in and now you're bringing into some stories that would kind of be embarrassing for people. And then, then you bring in litigation inevitably and it's like, oh, it's not fucking worth it. But it is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's uh yeah, you talk about mistakes and oversights and regrets and all of those things. I don't fucking know, man. Like to me, a regret is like you knew that this wasn't right, but you did it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's to me a regret. Mm-hmm. Or you knew that it was right, but you didn't do it anyway. Yeah, That's something mm-hmm. that I consider a regret. And you know, I don't know. I mean, like if you so like with the timber fake fight thing. I'd, go, I'd, I'd right now, knowing what I knew then, okay, knowing what I knew then, I would do that in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. We, we, I think we raised $25,000 for the local charities. Yeah. And we had to put on a boxing match, which we had done, and we had done one with him, by the way, before, and there was no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we had a history, a positive history. Um, and we were going to make that money, and our title sponsor, out of nowhere, at a remote, says, I want to fight Timberfake. I want the <laughs> belt because Timberfake had beat producer Joe. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do? Tell the title sponsor, like, <laughs> cut him off and go, he can't do it. I mean, so he wanted to do it. He wanted to train. People were into it. The building was packed. It was super fun. Yeah. And we made a bunch of money for the charity. It just, there just became BS afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, if I can't count on you, and you almost didn't come out for the fight, I can't, you know can't go down that road again so now if i were to do it again i'd have nobody to blame but myself because now i know some things that i didn't know then Mm -hmm. so that's the that's the difference it's like um it's like when somebody goes what i think it was ben frederickson actually not not, this isn't a shot at ben i think the world of ben Mm -hmm. um but he's like you know those who are critical of the miles michaelis extension are starting to look like they're more right and i'm going yeah well of course because now you see the now you see information that you didn't have when the Cardinals exactly. extended him. Then, judgment is based on and giving credibility to people who have good judgment. Those who see what's coming before it takes place. Yeah, that to me is an indication of judgment. That's who I'm going to hitch my wagon to all day long. Mm-hmm. Not the people who go, boy, how about the Miles Michaelis extension? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if you were saying it the day of, tip of the cap. You know, like the Matt Carpenter thing, the, the, the before they even sent the release explaining what the <laughs> hell it was, and somebody, I think Kusumano might have said, "Yeah, I think it's about a Matt Carpenter extension." I go, "What? The, why in the fuck are they extending Matt Carpenter?" <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't Fair think question. I'm the only person who thought that. I mean, but I mean, like, what and why? What, what, what's going on there? Yeah, you know, and then that's a real obvious one. But like Dexter Fowler, there's like revisionist history. Now everybody was against it when he was signed. That thing like, had a 90% approval rating when it happened in December of yeah. 2016. Cardinals Twitter remember. was ecstatic. When we oh, my Dexter goodness. Fowler. Yeah. It was and crazy. now it's like, oh, my God, Mazalock and Dexter Fowler. Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people thought it was a great move at the time. I get Mazalock's paid millions of dollars to know. But, uh, you know, you, you know, if, if you thought one thing and, you know, were wrong, you know, acknowledge you were wrong. I don't see any harm in that so i've been wrong about plenty of shit but i can't go back and go 
well, I mean, I didn't know that, so now I'm going to blame myself for something that I didn't know at the time. Um, and so for the most part with TMA, and again, I know I know a lot of the stuff that's going on that the audience doesn't, but the audience is invested, which is why I think it might be good for me to just tell all the stories. So if something happened to me, they're all there, and then people can finally go, oh, fuck, you know what? I thought he was an asshole, and now that I, now I heard this, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, the shit that they did to keep the thing together, holy shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so who knows, Jackson? Maybe I'll just like record the dark secrets of TMA, and you can have that and lock it away somewhere. Oral history. I'll put it. I'll bury it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll bury it on uh, under St. Gabe's. <laughs> I'll bury it Forty years. Gabriel. We'll open her up. <laughs> Uh, all right, time to shut it down. Uh, Action Jackson, always appreciate it. Thank you to our sponsors. Any questions, comments, erotic stories, deep dive requests, you have T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. For Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.